Martin Luther had a dream, but Freddy Krueger had a Ruger. Ex Malcolm hopped the picture, so now we back to the future. Now we back to these losers embracing death like they used to. Poking out, they just, but listen, son, now you leaking that future. Huh? So who's the shooter? Hum, is it your man? Or was it a fan? Or was it a stand? Huh? I would beg to differ. In hindsight, I bet you he say he was not a nigga. Plus, Biggie Smalls was just minding his business, yo. Smoking an Optimo. Somebody got to drop the homie Biggie. He's got to go. And they couldn't stop it, no, I wish that they could Yeah, the world needs change, but man, I wish that we would So what a long frown, a man harm from a four pound His blood ripples on the floor from the wall sound His mama sitting at the wake, hoping the Lord's found Another dead, another gone now, damn George Elliott said that it's best to be what you want to be. Fucking do what you want to do. So I do what I want to do. Bet you did it to floss. Bitch, I did what I wanted. Bet you did it and lost. Bitch, I did it and won it. Shit, I'm never coming back. Listen, I just want to rap. Gee, I told you all of that. On about a dozen tracks. I don't give a fuck. I just, I just, I just want to rap. Spitting fire on this track. Like a fucking thundercat. Plus this mic is bleeding. Roll ho. This shit is a no-no. Rolling in that low-low. Plus I'm from that ball. Need a folk, folk, smoking on my logo. Ready for the woe, and we so so. Sitting with the flow, somebody called a bobo. Heard the lanes, and I swear they so so. Too much love for the fame just to go broke. You said they got the rap game and the show card. No, I think I got the whole world in a rope. Don't gotta think of damn dog, you crazy. Is he the next Jay Z? My crystal ball is hazy, but I don't know. Maybe. Welcome back to the Insane Trick Podcast. It's your host, Chris, here, and um, got a special guest joining me today. I got joining me, I have the lovely Karen from. Black Eye Tips. What's up, Karen? How you doing? Oh, wow. Oh. Uh-oh. I had you. Uh, how I had, do I have No, you're fine. I had you muted on the Okay. Other. No, normally, so <laughs> I'm, I'm always, I'm, uh, my setup is just, I have to take down my setup and break it up all the time. So uh, I usually mute the guest through um, go to meeting. And I saw that you were unmuted. I was like, oh, she must be, she must be fine. I forgot I muted you on the actual uh, mixer board. But anyway. <laughs> Technical difficulties aside, how are you doing, ma'am? I'm good this morning. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, um, did I have a break last week? I think I had a break last week, so we're back with the insanity check this week. <laughs> Got a lot of stuff to talk about, and I was sitting there going, man, like the the hardest thing for me when doing the insanity check is making sure I get the guests uh, for the week. Uh, and um, I was like, yo, I, I need a guest for this week. I was like, you know what? Let me hit up Karen. I haven't had her on. Always talking, you know. I I always I always forget you and Rod because I always talk to you guys like every other week because we do right. the nerd off. So it's like I don't think right. to ask you guys to come back onto the show because we talk so fucking often. <laughs> but um, no, no, it's, it's it's great, great to have you on. Glad to have you have you here. Um, I I know one thing that's coming up, a big thing for you guys coming up in a couple of weeks is your first live show. Yes, I am so excited chris uh it's been a journey i I can tell you that and i wanted to personally say that this has been a dream that me and roger has had for years this live show i remember 
we first started, we kind of sat down and like, the thing is, and I've kind of said this before, I am the dreamer. Roderick is the more realistic person. Like I have all these ideas that I throw out there. He'll say, okay, we might not can do this, but we can do this. Or we might can, you know, that particular thing is more work than you think. And we have to kind of plan for it. So this is kind of something that I'm talking about like years ago, probably before we went live or anything like that. We talked about doing a live show and we talked about, I had even said then that I wanted uh, Chris to open up for us because Lambert to open up for us. And so I always say, well, I know we get there, but it's a far off. It's a far off. And I think for Roderick, us doing um, AwesomeCon and particularly NegroCon, I have you to thank for that, actually sparked something in Rod where he began to, to envision it. You know, because it's different between you saying things and you actually envisioning it. You know, and particularly with Awesome Con, when we went and we got to actually our first actually true interaction with our audience on a, a, a kind of mass, let us know that we're actually, you know, loved and people actually appreciate what we do. And it actually let us know that we are doing something that affects people and we're not talking into a black hole. And I, and, and it's amazing how other people can see things in you that you sometimes can't see. Because I remember you were saying, like, when I organized everything, he was like, yeah, I knew that people were going to come. You know, I know they were going to come see me and, and everybody else, but I knew that a lot of people were going to come to see you guys. And, and I was like, yeah, whatever. But then when we started taking pictures, I was like, oh, like, like, this is real. And that's when I got to the point that I began to, understand our audience and i think that us doing negro con and awesome con and us going to seattle and going to miami it it, it kind of let us know that we can actually do more and not only for us I, I like i said because i'm a dreamer i dream and vision of like uh mti network traveling across the country brandon and them traveling across the country you know, in other podcasts, just traveling wherever their audience is, like this, because, like I said, I we'll put it like this: I feel like we're all a family, and when one of us do something, it kind of ripples through the rest of the group and the rest of the crew, where we're all like, "Hey, we can kind of do this too," and everybody starts mapping and planning and doing big things. Because my thing is this: white people have been doing this shit for years; they've yeah. been doing it for years. Uh, but the thing is, is that they have a support base that gives them money and they have sponsors that support them. We do too. May not be on the same scale, but we do too. So, you know, I sometimes I feel like there's nothing stopping us but us. Uh, and so I'm excited. I, can, I cannot express how excited I am. And we have uh, an event planner and they're worth every fucking dime. I know we said this before, but we was like, we really don't know what we're doing. We know what we want to do. We have a vision, but as far as like the logistics and, and what to ask and what not to ask, they're worth every dime. And we didn't do like a go, and there's nothing wrong with GoFundMe, but we didn't do like a GoFundMe crowdfunding thing. This is something that we literally had to save up and put money to the side and prepare for this because we didn't want to put any burden on fans. 
right. you know, to actually cough up and then turn around and purchase tickets, you know, because then the expectations of the experience changes for people. Um, and I'm not saying we won't ever do a GoFundMe or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but when all jokes aside, we pay attention to what happens online. And, you know, we saw when things go right and we saw when things went wrong. And we knew we was kind of learning what to do and what not to do and all these type, types of things. And so for us, we wanted to navigate that line where we were giving the audience the best bang for their bucks. Uh, because when a lot of people started purchasing tickets, they was like, y'all tickets price are too low. It was like, nope, no, it's not. It's just right for us. Because once you reach a certain dollar threshold, the expectations from the audience change. You, you, you're not, you're, you're talking from a producer perspective. And so, and we also, we didn't want to price people out, mm -hmm. you know, where, where people couldn't afford to go because we understand that some people may have lost money doing other things. It was like, well, I would have planned on going, but now the money I spent on traveling, I no longer have. So, uh, we tried to make it as accommodating as possible. Like Chris, something that I know this might sound, it, well, it's not wild, but something that, that, that actually touched my soul was we actually had a lot of people that was like, hey, I can't make it. We're going to be doing other things. And they were purchasing tickets in bulk. Yeah. It was like, give it to people that cannot go. And so we started telling people that, and people would email them, was like, hey, I, 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 we wanted to go and something keeps coming up. You know, we've been moving, we've been traveling and we are actually giving tickets to people that actually can't afford to go. And that actually touched my heart because that's the community that we built. We, we built a very loving and giving and kind and sharing community. They're a reflection of me and Roger. I tell people your audience is a reflection of you. And it actually, it actually kind of brings me to tears every time I think about how much we're supported and how much we loved. And last, well, this week we sat down with one of the last times we're going to go through the venue. We've seen the venue, but the event planner hadn't seen the venue yet. So we was going through all types of logistics and, and sound checking and all that type of stuff. And that's when we was like, oh, it's actually real. Like we are actually about to to do this and actually, you know, do it big, you know, for our first time. And I'm so excited. Uh, words just cannot express how elated I am, how much love and support we got from my fans and from you and Chris, I mean, from you and Brandon and everybody else around the podcast community that's been showing us love and just been spreading. I, it, because the thing is, Chris, I go back to we just two niggas on the microphone. Like, 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 like that's something that me and Roderick never lost. We, we just two people that turn on the mic that would have had these conversations regardless of who was around. You know, it's one of those things where periodically I sit back and I just think about the roots and where we came from. And like I said, you and Brandon mean a lot to us. I don't think people realize how much you and Brandon actually means to us. And your crew, and, and people connected to you too, but you two, you two in particular, because it was like, we all kind of grew up in this together, regardless of when we started. And it's just been amazing, not only to see our growth, but to see y'all growth too. 
you know, and I, I don't know. It's it's like unreal. I don't know if that makes sense. It's almost unreal because, you know, nigga, we don't have like photographers and shit, like people doing lighting and all that shit. And I'm like, wow, this is a big ass production we putting on here. Yeah, no, I mean, and, it's... And some... Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because we've been, man, I can't, I can't remember how long we've been, we've all been friends and helping each other along in this journey. Um, but you know, it's, it's weird because it's like, it has never been like a competition. Everybody has their own lanes, but everybody supports each other, helps the other, you know, get, get further and further along. And it, it's just two things that I think of when I hear you talk about, you know, the community supporting you and, and stuff like that. Cause it's the same thing that go within my mind, you know, you always think there's a thing yourself. And, and I think this is, this, this is kind of a, 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 one of the things I think that we do as black people that we need to give ourselves more credit for, um, that people will support you and, and, and that you do deserve to be there. Right. And so you sit there and think that you can't, oh, maybe we're not big enough or you're always thinking about maybe we got to wait a little bit longer or maybe, you know, we don't want to go too big. We don't go too far. And, and while that is true, you don't want to do Universal Fan Con. You don't want to go, you don't want to overpromise. But at the same time, you know, we, we all have, you know, fan bases that support us in some kind of ways that allows us to do, um, that allows us to do things that normally, um, other people don't get an opportunity to do. Like, you guys are running that. I mean, Brandon and I have been, you know, we get press opportunities. I mean, we're, we're running a campaign right now to hopefully get into Rotten Tomatoes. We're, we're, we're in film critic associations. You know, we, we're doing all of these things. And it's because of the fans that support us and, and have always supported us. And the same thing goes with you and Rod. It's like, it's well-deserved. And, and, and you're right, it feels crazy. And it feels like you, you can't believe that it's happening. But at the same time, it's it's deserved. You guys have earned it. You guys have worked hard. You guys have put that work in. You guys have, you know, tried your, you know, tried to, you know, you've, you've, like I said, you've, you, you've not only have you guys been good people and deserve this, but you've made, you, you've developed a fan base that is good people too. Like I said, I was hearing Rod talking about like you and Rod talk about this on your show about how people donating tickets because they couldn't go, but they wanted other people to go and be able to experience it. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a real thing. I mean, and, and I can't help but think back to this, um, whole thing with Universal FanCon and just you know what, what they were basically saying oh the non-existent black community the black black geek community and how they don't support this it's just like I I, I don't know that life I I don't know I don't know what fan base they saw or maybe it's because maybe maybe they didn't maybe they didn't have the supporting fan base be, behind them because they weren't trying to grow a community but rather instead were just trying to grow the grow themselves. And not the community around with them, and um, yeah, I, I think that when you when you try when you actually care when you put the work in and when you care about your community and the community that you're cultivating and your fans, they're going to support you. I mean, that's just that's just what they do, you know. Uh, yeah, agreed. And I think with Universal Fan Con, one of the things that for me with that whole thing. I personally was more disappointed than any other emotion in my, like for me as a producer, as somebody that put stuff out, I was more disappointed in the fact that the way that you did things and how you handle it was very unprofessional. And, and something I realized, I think, put it like this, even though corporate America sometimes, it can be something else and it could, 
it can stress you out. But one thing I can say about corporate America, corporate America teaches you how to be professional. And so you can tell when you're dealing with people that have really been involved and kind of know how corporate America functions and it works. Because if you're going to call yourself a business, you actually need to function and present yourself as a business and how a business would do things. And there were a lot of things where I was like, oh, no, 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 that like you, you just can't do that and still. Not that people aren't going to support you, but you, you're not going to get the same support as before. And I do agree with you. Also, when it comes to cultivating your audience, sometimes people are actually reaching for an audience that is not reaching back. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to, whatever your audience is, feed that audience. And if it grows and other people begin to, to see you, that's fine. But overfeed your audience because the thing is, like for the people that go premium, and I know you have premium and other podcasts have premium, we always feel like uh, we do a lot for our premium people. A lot of people be like, well, it's too much. That's how I want you to feel. You know, I want you to open it up and be like, well, goddamn. That's how I want you to feel because I, you, you're giving to us. And people better realize, once it's a financial exchange between you and your audience, the expectations change. And some people don't understand that. Yeah, it's, it, I, I think a lot of people take for granted, like, you guys, you guys were what five, six years in before you launched your premium. It's like it takes years. I mean, and, and then mm-hmm. even longer to, for you guys. And then it's like been like three, four years, or three, three years after that that you guys have gone for um this live show. I mean, it's taking you guys years to get to this point where a lot of people come in the gate and want to next day start to launch a Patreon and for uh, you know a community that they haven't even you know began to cultivate and, 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 and create yet. So it's just, like I said, I, I think there's a lot of, there, there, there's, um, I'm, I'm very happy for you guys. I'm proud of you guys. And, and I, I'm sad I couldn't make it to that event, but like we literally got to New York comic con like two weeks after that. Like I'm, I'm still, I still have any, I got to talk to Brandon, uh, this weekend about how we're going to, uh, prepare for that. Cause it just, it just feels like we go from one thing to another. So, um, but yeah, I hope right, that, I hope right. that I hope that event goes really, really well for you guys. I'm really looking forward to seeing the pictures from it. And um, I know it will be successful because you guys have been successful. And um, it's going to go great. It's going to go great. Right. And, and also, I'm so excited. You know what? The, the, the wild part, too, Chris, is that, honestly, within the past maybe three years, about past three years, have you realized all of us been traveling more than we ever have before? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like literally have been, like, traveling getting invited to things doing things and i'm like wow because we're going to california when is it in october mm. i was like nigga <laughs> i was like yeah because somebody's having a, a a a conference about podcasting on the university and they invited us to come and we was like cool so it's 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 amazing to to be doing the traveling and get out because every time we travel, we always get to see fans mm-hmm. that otherwise normally wouldn't be able to come and see us. And I can't wait to see what you guys are going to do. Uh, and I know we're going to be doing some more things together, but I, I can't wait to, to to see y'all traveling and, and going and can't wait to see to you can quit your job and do this stuff full time. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, I just can't, can't wait. Yeah, it's like I said, it, it's a lot, but it, it feels 
it feels good. It feels it feels good to do all this stuff and have these opportunities that again we didn't have before. Um, so like I said, I I can't wait to get through that stuff. So, um, all right. Uh, I have some other housekeeping stuff. We'll we'll deal with that at the end of the show. Uh, we'll talk about that. Let's just jump right into this first. Um, I was gonna start with something a little bit more funny, but um, I'm gonna go with the thing that started on uh my timeline this morning on Twitter because um, people are stupid. So okay. Um. So last night, I, I didn't watch, well, last night, <gasps> yesterday was the uh, funeral for Aretha Franklin. Like I said, we, we've been out, we've been gone for a week. So we, we missed both the death of, um, <laughs> right. So we missed the death of uh, Aretha Franklin and um, John McCain. So we're here. But last night was the, the funeral, <laughs> the all day funeral. So a couple, first thing, because I, I wasn't going to get too much in the, I didn't, I didn't watch it because I had other things going on. But I'll say this, I was seeing some people sit there and go, well, see, yeah, you know, you know, you had these white outlets covering this black funeral and they didn't know that uh, black funerals go all day. And I was like, I, I had to be like, okay, pause that, folks. Um, I don't know about you guys. I'm black. I've gone to a lot of black funerals. Black funerals do not last all day. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what funeral you guys go to, but um, it was a nine-hour funeral. Uh, homegoing service, whatever you want to call it. It's nine hours. Now, this was, this was abnormal. And it was Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul. So it was... Uh, perfectly abnormal and there's nothing wrong with that because it's Aretha Franklin and apparently she had been playing this for like over a year so she knew how she wanted wow. to go out I mean she had three or her body had three different they had like three different outfit changes for her for her for her yes! showing so like okay so th- this this is this is not a black funeral this is an Aretha Franklin funeral all right so it's not right. ours not because it's black but because it's Aretha fucking Franklin all right so let's get that out of the way first right um and again I, I wasn't watching but I heard some of the Apparently, one of the last pastors came out was very, very had respectable politics all up and down his sermon. It was kind of anti LGBTQ or something like that. I I didn't, I didn't listen to it. I didn't know about it. Uh, I just saw some of the reactions to it It was bad. There was another pastor, which I thought was the same one, but there was another one. um, I think her name is Ariana Grande. She was there. She had a a nice little, I guess, short skirt or whatever. Here, I think she sang. And this pastor came up, uh, what was it, Charles Ellis, I think that was his name? I can't remember, sorry, mm-hmm. I don't know. But he, was, he, he basically, basically fought up on her in front of everybody at the funeral. Like, he had his hands, like, right underneath her and, like, uh, like up on her boob and stuff like this and made some comments about, like, think some, some inappropriate comments saying that he thought it was an, or he saw her name in that program and thought it was a new... Uh, new item, menu item from Taco Bell, or some some ridiculous <laughs> shit, right? Right. Just all oh, that shit would be flames, though. Right, right. You know, so I'm seeing this, and 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 people were talking about this all day yesterday about how this this pastor basically sexually assaulted this young woman on national TV and the thing and anybody, and people were making comments about how oh no the this is kind of why we kind of avoid the black church and we avoid so many millennials and younger people. Avoid the church now because of shit like this. Um, so after again, I'm I want, I'm, I'm not kind of going into the details of this stuff because I, I didn't really watch this stuff. I just want to react to something that I saw this morning because after seeing everybody talk about this stuff yesterday, Mike Coulter, who you don't know, this is the star of you know Luke Cage. Uh, he plays Luke Cage. Um, decided to retweet Trevor Noah, who who had basically posted an image, uh, posted a video of this pastor groping. Grande was like, hey, and Trevor Noah was like, what's up with the pastor's hand? You know, which is like an appropriate response. Like, the fuck is he doing? Like, this is inappropriate. What's going on? Mike Coulter this morning at 10.01 a.m. retweeted that and said, 
Now this is how you shoot your shot. Zero fucks. What? What? That's not smart. He trying to lose that job. Mike Coulter's an idiot. Yes, he is. Mike Coulter's an idiot. Like, this is like one of the. How do you how do you jump on a grenade that's not aimed at you? I I don't I never understand men who do this. Like, well, I, I I I'm now he he's deleted the tweet now. Hasn't put anything out. Hasn't put an apology out. But you know what's going to happen. He's going to really either go into the notes app and write some long winded apology that doesn't really, nobody's going to accept, or he's going to do a video, put right. a video up saying that he's sorry and inappropriate, blah blah blah. Why not just not say anything to begin with? It's absolutely free. I tell people saying nothing is absolutely free. Do you know how much shit I see going up and down across social media? And you know what I do? Okay. And talk about some other shit or go on, shut the app down and leave. Um, We've been around long enough that we know things kind of go in cycles when it comes to this shit and nobody gets canceled. So, I mean, he'll be all right. But it's just the fact that uh, that's something that you didn't have to do. Right. And, and this is not the first time he did like, it, 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 he was in trouble like almost a month ago with this whole transracial thing right before, like right after, I believe this is after Luke Cage came out. Uh, this is uh, actually right around the same time. This is, this is him uh, talking about transracialism. Let me see if I can play this. Um, I feel like we can talk about a lot of profound and mature subject matter on this Instagram because it's sort of a circle of trust, as I like to refer to it. Guys, um, why is it that we can accept at this point as a society people's sexual ambiguity or sexual preference or sexual identification as something that we will adhere to, accept, and, and be advocates for? Someone says they're a girl, we say okay. Someone says they're a boy, we say okay. Someone says refer to them as a she, we say okay. Someone says refer to them as a he, we say okay. But yet still, we are unable to accept someone's racial ambiguity. Why is that the case? Why can someone not define themselves with a race or identify with a race? And we accept that. Talk to me. There are no wrong answers. I just want to know. Mm. Mike Coulter's an idiot. I I just I, what what the, what the hell? That's two times in in, in less than in in, in in less than two months. No, about two months. Actually, no, less than two months because it happened on that. He posted that on July twenty first. He posted this new new thing on September first. So it's basically been less than two months. Not even a month and a half. Bruh, take 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 a time off from social media. Say off, say off of social media because you're obviously too stupid to say anything, and like, what it, you're you're really comparing uh, transgender men and women to, like, who who has been who is who 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 does not like where's transracial coming from? The only person I know who tried to claim being transracial is Rachel Dolezal. That's the only person. I've That's ever, it. That's the only person I know who's ever tried to claim to be transracial. So what what the fuck are you talking about? What what are you? What are you? What are you doing? Like, why are we defined by like? What kind of? What what do you? 
shutting the fuck up. Shutting the fuck up is free. It's it's free. And 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 now I gotta I gotta rearrange how I want to do today's. No, you know I'm gonna do it now. I'm, I'm gonna start with 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 this thing. I had I had an order. We're gonna get to the cancel culture thing later on. But then Mike culture okay. did this thing, and and then he he kind of rearranged the order of things I want to talk about. I, I want to talk about this because I, I had to. You know, because some people are like, oh, well, my, my culture's canceled, you know? And mm-hmm. I, like, one, n- no, he's not. I mean, I, I'm not shitting on the people who are saying that, but, like, no one's canceled. You and Rod talk about this all the time. No one, no one's ever canceled. It's just, it's nope. just, it's just not how that works. It's, it's never worked that way. Um, but what's bothering me about cancel culture, I'm putting that in air quotes, you can't see me, but I am, is that, it's become more about people overreacting to the initial reactions to somebody being problematic than actually canceling. Cause no one right. find me a person who's actually been canceled. What person has actually been canceled? I'm still looking for one. Everybody always, right. Everybody always comes back. I don't know why people act like people get canceled. A lot of times depend on the people react different ways. Some people double down and say, fuck it. Some people temporarily go away and come back. Some people go away for a long period of time and come back. Some people, you might not never uh, hear them because they might not be in the limelight, but they never go away. They keep working. They keep getting jobs. They don't disappear. No one's canceled. Like, I want people, like, people spend so much time compared, because we had the, the, the latest one, it was, um, but uh, that chick who did the I'm a cow joint, Doja Cat or whatever her fucking name is, you know, she she came uh-huh. out and did her whole thing. Oh, I don't have uh, exactly. Let me see if I can find exactly what she said. But she's basically trying to um, trying to def- not, I guess, defend her her thing um, uh, for saying uh, the F word. Here we go. So this is what she posted again this week. People have just been fucking losing their minds this week. Uh, she she posted on on, on the twenty eighth. She said. Um, when I called people faggots when I was in high school in 2015, first of all, she's in high school in 2015, so that's all like that makes me feel old. Um, does this mean I do, does this mean I don't deserve support? I've said faggot roughly like 15,000 times in my life. Does saying faggot mean you hate gay people? Do I hate gay people? I don't think I hate gay people. Gay is okay. It's literally the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. I that's stupid. But immediately after saying that, people were like, oh, well, she's canceled. Well, well can't, can't mess with her anymore. That's, re- that's ridiculous. It's, it's homophobic. Blah, blah, blah. I'm done. Immediately after that, I'm seeing people who were not gay going, well, I'm not going to cancel her. And, well, we don't cancel. We not cancel Eminem, who just had another, who apparently had another song out. We call somebody a faggot. And it's like, people are, well, I'm not canceling. I'm not canceling. I, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, well, people, you're not, not going to cancel Eminem, but you're going to cancel Doji. I'm like. You guys are arguing over whether she should or should not be canceled. You guys have kind of skipped over the fact that she was just wrong. Like, right. why are we arguing over whether she should or should not be canceled? Just like whether we're arguing over whether, you know, uh, Mike Coulter should or should not be canceled. Can we take just a small second to discuss the fact that what she said and what he did were wrong? Like, that's where the cancel culture, if you, if you, if you want to call it that, has got out of control with me. Where it's become more and more about people arguing back and forth over whether somebody should be canceled or not that we completely skip over the fact about discussing what the problematic events were and what they actually did. And nobody learned any lessons. Like, Mm-mm. 
being saying these wrong things comes with consequences. And that might mean that some for some people they're canceled. If you are not in the group that the offense was aimed at, here's the thing. You kind of got to shut the fuck up about whether you're canceling them or not. Because it's not really about you, is it? You know? This is, how is that any different than when white people uh, say something, when a white person says something racist and a white person goes out there, well, I don't think they're racist. Eh, hey, motherfucker, you're, it's not up to you. But then when it happened with her, it's like not. people have all these fucking excuses as to why they're not canceling. Like, well, are you even in the group that was offended? No? Okay, no. If you're, not a, if you're, if you're, if you're a man and, Mike Col- and, 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 and you're saying, well, I'm not going to cancel my culture. Hey, guess what, buddy? You got to shut the fuck up. It's not about you. He's not talking about men. He's talking about, he's talking about, he's basically saying that this sexual assault of this woman is okay. That is rape culture and that is aimed at women. Buddy, whether you cancel or not, says more about you and the fact that you're so loudly saying you're not going to cancel them showing you, you got a fucking problem. If you're not gay or you're in the LGBTQ community and you're over here talking about something, you're not going to cancel Doja Cat because some man over here didn't get canceled for it. The third thing is you're fucking part of the problem. Cause guess what guys, I guarantee you the people you're saying you, that the, the, the people in that community have probably already canceled the person you're saying got away with it for doing the same thing. It's like, you, you, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you complaining about? It's, it's just, it, it's, it's been driving me crazy seeing people do this. And I, I think I figured out what it is. Cause like, so like, oh wait, before I even get to that, like one of the things I saw with, with, with uh, Doja Cat was, oh, well she's, she's young. You know, like I said, she's 15, 2015. She was in high school, which again, still just yeah. makes me feel old. <laughs> yes, sir. But like, so <laughs> like people, right. people were like, well, she was young when I was young. I said a lot of stupid things. Okay. Okay. Let's say that. But like, let's acknowledge when you were young and you said dumb things, those dumb things were wrong. So that's, that's number one. Number two, can we admit that younger folks are more woke today than we were when we were their age? Which yes, makes... sir. They have more knowledge. They got more wisdom. They're actually smarter. Like, people want to shit on the younger generation, but their STD rate is lower. Teenage pregnancy rate is lower. Drug use is lower than all us. Nigga, we, was, we came up in the crack era. What are people talking about here? Like, you know, I, I know young kids. I know young kids who know saying the F word is wrong. I know kids who know, that, you know, know that, the, you know, the, the Washington Redskins, that, that is a racist racial slur. Like, I, I know young people who know this stuff better than their parents and better than, you know, uh, uh, than the, better than any of us did when we were younger. So this idea that somehow because of her age, she's too stupid to know that what she was doing was wrong. Here's the thing. Like, I, and I grew up in school. Uh, we, 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 we knew that, that we knew that faggot was a, a slur against gay people. We said it anyway, because we didn't care and we were less likely to get in trouble, you know, by saying it because at the time society as a whole, way more than it does now, didn't care about gay people, but it was a slur mm-hmm. back then. So in this day and age, when we're even more aware, all of us are more aware as a society with um, the plight and, and issues involving the LGBTQ community, how can you sit there and form your mouth to say, 
oh, well, she was, uh, you know, she's young and she didn't. No, that's not how that works. That, that, that's not how society works. It's like as society, as, as society moves on and, and, and gets older, we as a society become more aware of certain things and we grow and we have growth. It's even, if, if anything, the fact that she was saying it 15,000 times when she was in high school just three years ago is even more of an indictment of her because it's like, well, were you ignoring all the lessons we had about how that was wrong? You know? You know, Eminem coming out here and still saying in his fucking songs, it's like, dude, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know it's not right. right. You know it's not right at this point. You know? And that's, that does not excuse the behavior in the past. It doesn't say that what happened to... Because other thing, too, right? I, and I think a lot of people, a lot of us, I'm using us because, like, no, I say openly all the time that I've said homophobic, transphobic, sexist things in the past. Like, I'm not trying to make this as a, a blanket judgment against other people, but, like, you, we don't get to get brownie points because we're, we're understanding now when we hurt people in our past. Yes, you know? sir. So if I was saying a bunch of homophobic things in, 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 in high school and college, and now I understand that those are wrong, I don't get to go and sit there and go, oh, well, I know better now, so it's okay. Well, what about all the people I hurt and my words and actions hurt when I was in high school and college? Like, what about that? I don't get, I don't, I don't get to have brownie points because now I understand well, I don't give a fuck about all the people that are hurt and left in my wake. It's like, but so many of us in, in a position of, of privilege get to, get to do that. And then we, we, we get upset at, you know, when, those, when, when, the, when, when our past comes back to haunt us. I'm like, well, that's part of the, that's part of the thing. If you, if you don't want that to happen, then maybe you need to come out and make a mentor that up front and, 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 and openly talk about what you've done in your past and why it's wrong and use yourself as the first, as, as, as a first example. But what happens to so many people is they get this knowledge, finally understanding that they can't do it. I think some people just understand that they don't even really believe it, but they just know that if they, if they, if they continue on doing these offensive things, they'll get in trouble. So it's basically just like common sense. All right. I don't really believe that the F word is as bad as saying, you know, the N word, but I also know I don't want to have them problems. So I'm not going to just say anything that does not make you aware. That does not make you a good ally because you still don't see anything wrong with your actions in the past, right? Nope. And I think so many people do that. They put themselves in the position of these people that are getting quote-unquote canceled because, again, remember, none of these people are ever canceled. No, they'll never get canceled. They never, never, never. And once I came to that understanding, it made, it, it made navigating social media a whole lot smoother. And uh, like you said, truthfully, to an extent, Everybody's a hypocrite when it comes to a lot of this shit, uh, because like you said, everybody has done something, said something. But the only difference with our generation is that we didn't have cell phones and camcorders and all this stuff to pick up all the things we said. It isn't on, quote unquote, on the record. But just because it's on the record, it doesn't mean that they weren't said and it doesn't mean that the pain ain't real. Right. Right. Like there are people that you hurt. And, and because there's no evidence of it, we can sit there and pretend like we didn't happen. And, and I think a lot of people go, well, you know, and a lot of people put themselves in that position. It's like, hey, well, you know, when I was younger, I said these same things and I didn't get canceled. And this person should get the same opportunity. I'm like, 
no, you you got lucky. You dodged a bullet. <laughs> you dodged a bullet, and and you should take that that win. And the, the the question is, what are you doing with that 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 luck? Are you are you going out here making sure that people don't make the same mistake you made, or are you just sitting around, you know, playing devil's advocate about oh, but what about the poor people that, you know. What about this this this, this per, poor person that's going to be canceled now because they quote unquote made a mistake? It's not a mistake. Saying the f word fifteen thousand times is not a it's not a mistake. All right. What Mike Coulter did was not a mistake. Mike Coulter was literally mm-hmm. you know he's literally uh, uh, embracing rape culture. That's not a mistake. He did it on purpose. He thought it was funny. He laughed at it. He has no idea why that was evil and why it was wrong. He'll come out and give some stupid note app apology. You know, because he realized he probably he might have fucked up his own money, and and it's ridiculous. You know, and and go ahead. Right, and it's also I think for me it's one of those things where a lot of the same people that were defending Doja Cat, uh, when it comes to saying nigger, would be completely on the opposite side. They wouldn't want to hear no excuses. They wouldn't care how old the person were was. You know, they just wouldn't care. And when white people would come and give the same excuses that they're giving for her, they they would be mad when it was dismissed. Um, and so I feel the same way. Like, like I don't flip flop. I'm very consistent on this. Just like is, you know, white people shouldn't say nigger. She shouldn't have said that either. The end. Right. Like, it, it to me, it's just that cut and dry. All this. Him and hauling and going back and forth and people picking teams and 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 and, and people picking things based off of nonsensical things and something else that I realized also about social media sometimes when things happen a lot of people log on and whatever the thing that's the topic they just jump in and just ride the wave when at the end of the day a lot of them just don't care right I'd rather people just say that because I, I think I think a lot of people right. that were that were because. So there is a hypocrisy argument to be made about, you know, some of the people, some, I think some, some people who were on, were, were, were saying, oh, grand opening, grand closing on, on Doja Cat, uh, when, are, are over here bumping the new Eminem album, right? And there is hypocrisy there. Like, yo, what the fuck, yo, he's doing the same thing that you got mad at her for. There is that. And I think we can have that, that, that conversation about, about, about hypocrisy. But what I found for a lot of people is they're not even going the idea of, well, both of them should be canceled. Their whole position is, well, because, well, because these people aren't canceling Eminem, well, then I'm not going to cancel Doja Cat because, and I'm like, well, that's a, that's a, that's a terrible precedent, guys, because at this point, you've now just given yourself an excuse as to why you're not going to cancel this person, you know? And, 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 and you know what, and here's the thing, it's, it's, it, that's fine. Like, I, you're going to have, you're going to have people that, you know, you are going to support, um, that have bad. I, I fully believe that. If you support, basically anybody you support is problematic. We've had this conversation before about right. Any any, any of your faves are problematic, uh, particularly if if they're if they're cishet men, man, problematic. If you're cishet to begin with, you are probably have said or done some problematic things. Like there is um um apparently uh, Roxanne Gay. People love Roxanne Gay, but she said uh, I, I was made aware that she she's had some turf light commentary involving uh, transgender women. Uh, and then recently, when talking about uh, Louis C.K., she tried to say that there's a why she wondered she wondered out loud on Twitter why um, people were lumping in Aziz and Sorry with um, with Louis C.K. And I'm like, 
because he basically pressured a woman into having sex with her and she talked about it. It's like, you, that's actually almost right. kind of, that's almost kind of worse. It's like, what do you mean you don't see? The, so it's like, and again, Roxanne Gay is, 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 is in, an important person and, 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 and is right on a lot of things and speaking in an important voice. But here she's so very, very clearly wrong. Like I said, you have to anybody support. Hell, if you listen to me, I've said bad things in the past. It's just like you you have to make the decision of whether that person has grown, where they've learned from it. And some people will sit there and go, Oh no, I can't support you anymore. And and I, I've accepted that. You you gotta accept that. But I, I think so many of these people don't want to admit that this is not like an easy one-to-one comparison of okay we're just gonna cancel because then everybody would cancel it just would be you know so i don't know it, it, it's just i feel like a lot of people are when they have these conversations are talking past the initial offense you know it's like it's why i, 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 I like to me it was like yeah we like the james gunn thing i was like mm, well i don't think he would deserve to be fired but at the same time i'm not going to argue that he should be reinstated because he did say that shit and it was not funny and it was wrong. And you know, Disney made a decision stuck with their guns, no matter where it came from. That's it. Like, like that's the decision. I'm not going to argue people back and forth. Like people went the back and forth arguments over this. I'm like, why are you guys again? Nobody's ever canceled. He's going to financially be fine. Why are you fighting so hard for this? Why, why do you care so much? And what I found over and over and over again is that people put themselves in that situation of being the person that's getting canceled. And I'm like, well, wouldn't you rather work so that you don't be canceled to begin with? Right. Why are you working so hard to save the job and save the, the reputation of somebody who clearly did something trash? Like, just don't do it. And, and here's the thing. If you've done it in your past, maybe now is a perfect opportunity for you to come out and sit there and speak against it and say, I've done this in my past myself, but you know what? It was wrong, and thankfully, I've been able to, to get forward. He didn't, or she didn't, um, but I've moved on and I've grown from it. Like, get ahead of it before, before it catches you because so many people, like I've seen people sit there and say, would you go out there and delete your tweets? I'm like, I mean, you can do that. You can do that, but it doesn't really fix the problem. Of well, do you still believe that stuff you said? Do you still do you understand that what you said in the past was wrong? Or are you deleting it just so you don't get in trouble? And I, I just, it's just annoying to me. It, it's annoying to me to see the talk around quote unquote cancel culture when when the conversation would be more about people behaving. Like a perfect example of this. Um, you know, I always say. Find me one person that gets that's gotten canceled. And people always bring up like one of the first people we've ever seen, and not really the first, but probably one of the bigger names we've known, especially from Twitter back in 2015, Justine Sacco, right? Remember her, the woman who tweeted that she was on her way to mm-hmm. the PR lady was on her way to Africa and tweeted, "Hope I don't get Abe's." Just kidding, I'm white. And by the time the plane landed, she was fired All from right. her job. And I've seen people write mm-hmm. these 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 long articles about how, oh well, it was wrong. She was just a regular person. She shouldn't have gotten fired from her job. Justin Sacco was a PR executive. PR executive. She was, I believe she was flying on business. And she was tweeting from her account, her personal account, but I believe it had her job listed in her bio. 
She then tweeted out a racist joke to the public. She deserved the scrutiny. She deserved to be fired. That's just what it is. That that Agreed. I mean, like, you, think about this. But when people sit there and go, "You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be fired for this stuff like that," Let, let's think about this. Would you say these things in public on a crowded train? Like, you know, let's take the James James Gunn thing. I I I, I, I want to avoid the James Gunn thing. But I'm gonna use the James Gunn thing first. If James Gunn was sitting on a train, a busy train, and made these jokes on a busy train every day, you all would want him fired. Plain and simple. You Agreed. Would, that, would not, that, would not have fl- that would not have flown in a public setting. These are not jokes he told in private to a couple of his friends, a couple of dirty, hey, we all do that, and that's, I, I, whatever, right? It's done in public. You're going to get fired for that. I mean, that's just what it is. People have forgotten that because of the accessibility with, with social media, they seem to think that it's different than in real life. No, you're saying things to public. And matter of fact, you have a bigger reach. You're, you're taking what you would say in public, now giving yourself a megaphone and, and, and you're able to reach millions of people. So you should be more careful with what you say, not less. And people hop on the Twitter and hop on the Facebook and say the, say the and, and Instagram and say the most outlandish things to the public. And then when they get consequences, when they get the public blowback, when they, get, when they go viral, and they get exposed, they start wondering, oh, well, my life is ruined now. Well, duh. You went to a public forum. You basically took a megaphone. Like, you, you wouldn't go to the steps of the courthouse with a megaphone and say this racist, offensive shit, would you? Well, no, I wouldn't do that. Nope. Then why are you doing it on social media? Why? Yeah. And, and I think that's something that's hard for people to understand uh, when it comes to social media, that social media is very public. And so I think because it's public, guess what? There's all different pieces of public and everybody in public doesn't have doesn't have the same financial background. They don't have the same uh, sexual orientation. They Everybody's not the same color. Everybody's not the same religion. So you have this pot of different backgrounds coming to this public forum and speaking to each other and people were not ready and they were not prepared for what happens once you get on these platforms and people don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. What happens when you get on these platforms and people uh, demand that you actually behave better because what you, like you say, what you do in these small circles with your friends and these private chats and all that stuff is completely different than being on a public platform that people can search and see and, and you know, you're saying things in public and you have your job attached to it. People will go out and seek and find you. Uh, that is the quote-unquote advantage and quote-unquote disadvantage of it uh, is because a lot of the white people that have been called out for saying racist shit, a lot of it is because black people are just tired of you saying shit and there's no consequences to your actions. At the end of the day, you're still not counseled. You're white. You will find another job. Somebody else will hire you. You will keep on moving. Nobody never, never gets canceled. Justine Sacco has got another public relations job, probably making more money than she was at the other job. Karen, she's with the same company. See? She's back with the same, basically with the same company. Like, nothing happened to her. People sit there and go, oh, she is a sad case of Justine Sacco when she lost her job. Do you mean the job she's got back? Like, that was three years ago. She's back working the same job. Not the same job, but basically the same company, 
with a different kind of position, but basically back making the same amount of money she was making before. Like nothing changed. Like she got, you know, she got called out. She had maybe a little bit of embarrassment or whatever, but there was no real, there, no, nobody's, nobody, never, nobody's ever really been canceled. And, and I'm trying to find out from people like what, what the hell, like what, what, what is, where, where, where is this, where is this, where is this, where is this negativity from this call out culture that, that you guys are so worried about? Because I have not seen any of the evidence to the contrary. I haven't seen anything to suggest that, um, that, that this stuff, you know, actually has real consequences. Like where? These people go right back. I was seeing people say, oh, well, you know, Azalea Banks and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, she stays saying homophobic things anyway. And she's saying something stupid. And she stays right. on tour. She, st- she, st- she stays on tour putting out music. It's like, like n- n- you cannot name me one person that has been canceled permanently and, and has not been able to do things. Like, you just, you, you can't find one. Um, like, uh, uh, and, and, and that goes just for, for things to be able to say. And then we can move on to things like uh, the, the big thing this week was uh, Louis C.K. did that um, did a uh, did a new um, uh, did a, a surprise set at uh, I think a Comedy Cellar or some somewhere like that, right? And um, uh-huh. I was seeing a bunch of these men basically say, "Well, good for him to get it back out there. It's good for him to get a uh, uh, to get another shot." And I'm just like, "Get another shot? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't go anywhere." Like right. Were, he didn't go to jail. There was no time served. There was no trial. You know, the way people talk, the way people talk about him, you would think that the justice system got involved. But none of that actually happened. None of that happened. And nigga just went away. That's it. And decided I've been away enough. I've been punished enough. I've thought about it, quote unquote. Didn't even acknowledge why he went away. It's like, I'm just here for the jokes. Nobody and never, never, never gets canceled. And the thing is, because he's a man of power, all he's going to do is get put back in a position to abuse other women all over again. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it, it should be, should be noted. All right. So uh, the allegations against Louis C.K. came out in November of last year. So it hasn't even been a year, right? And and in responding to the uh, the accusations, Lewis K, 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 uh, Lewis C K himself came out and said, "These stories are true." Right. He said that they are true. He released a statement. Um, he said this: "These stories are true." At a time, I said to myself that I was do, I was okay. Because I never showed a woman my dick without asking first, which is also true. What I learned later in life, too, is that when you have a power over another person, asking them to look at your dick isn't a question. It's a predicament for them. The power I had over these women is, what, is, is, is that they admired me. I will that power irresponsibly. I've been remorseful of my action. I've tried to learn from them and run from them uh, and, and, and run from them. And now, I'm aw- now I'm aware of the extent of the impact of my actions. I learned after the extent of which, in, to which I left these women who admired me feeling bad about themselves and cautious about other men who have who would never have put them in that position. I was took advantage of the fact that I was widely admired in my and their community, which disabled them from sharing their story and brought hardship to them when they tried because people who look up to me didn't want to hear it. 
I didn't think that I was doing any of that because of my position allowed me to not think about it. There's nothing about this that I forget I, that I forgive myself for. I have to reconcile it with who I am, which is nothing compared to the task I left with them. I wish I had reacted to their admiration of me with a good example to to them as a man, giving them some guidance as a comedian, including because I admire their work. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Just, just to go over some of the things that he did. In 2003, Abby uh, Shayner called Louis K. to invite, her, invite him to one of her shows, and during the phone conversation, she said she could hear him masturbating as they spoke. What? Another comedian, Rebecca Corey, said that while she was, appear she was appearing with Louis, K uh, Louis C.K. on a television pilot in 25, uh, 2015, in 2005, he asked if he could masturbate in front of her. She declined. He was masturbating in front of women. Well, yes. Right. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. Right. Yeah, and then when people go, men ain't shit, men are trash, men lose their motherfucking mind because the thing is, people in his community and even people outside of his community, when it comes to, to, to men that abuse, they abuse literally everybody, uh, you know, across the board. And the thing is, when people are like, hey, I'm being abused, everybody want to act like the abuser is the victim, not the victim being the victim. <laughs> you know, like that that doesn't make any sense. And it's very uh, frustrating that people aren't calling him out, you know, because he's still a man of power. So nobody's going to call him out because there are consequences to your actions, particularly in the comedy community, because it's about who you know, because the way it's structured and set up. So no, nobody wants to make him mad. No, nobody wants to piss him off. Yes, everybody wants to kiss his ass because they don't know what his next venue would be, and he might be picking me to blow up with him. Well, and and, and on top of that, every man that I've seen, well, most men, there was I can't remember. Uh, was it John Titus? Some, some one man did come out, and one comedian, male comedian, did come out and say like this is unacceptable, and and Louis C.K. is is a piece of shit. But others like Michael Shea, who continually like Michael Shea, continually says dumb shit. He's like the Mike Coulter of fucking comedy in terms of he just cannot keep his foot out of his fucking mouth. Um, so he says, I think he did an Instagram story talking about He says, the one thing I do love miss about Twitter is, is, see, is seeing Megan freak out about the world still turning. Oh my God, can you believe that guy went on with his life? Yes, Megan, I can. And he's, he's he put um, he, he uh, basically screen capped a, 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 an, um, an article that was written by Megan Garber I can't remember what article, or where, where outlet she wrote this for, but it says, the title of it is, Louis C.K. and the men who keep getting what they want. The Me Too comebacks are coming, and they're revolving once again, and they're revolving once again around the desires of those who needed to negotiate the returns in the first place. And uh, Shay says, LOL, Megan is very real, don't ever doubt me. He then says, what's interesting to me about these articles against uh, Louis C.K. performing again is how important fame is to people. A lot of what I read says that, uh, that C.K. shouldn't get to be a famous comedian anymore. Because of them, he's still winning. Isn't that strange? Meaning he can be shamed, humiliated, lose millions of dollars, lose all of his projects, lose his respect of a lot of his fans and peers, whatever else that comes with that, uh, with what he did. But since he can still do a comedy set for free at a 200-seat comedy club a year later, it means he got off easy. That's how coveted fame is. Michael Shea's an idiot. Michael Shea's a fucking idiot. Correct. It hasn't even been a year. 
So first of all, it hasn't been a year. Second of all, Lucy K is a fucking million. Yes, he is. He was just a long ass vacation. What are we talking about? It's a millionaire. So when I, when I hear people sit there and talk about this, because he's not this, Michael Michael not the, I saw somebody I think it was uh, Michael Eden Black or somebody somebody else said the same thing was like, well, I just think that there should be a pathway for redemption for for some of these men. And I'm like, can they suffer a consequence first? Why are we talking about redemption and comebacks for these men when they don't suffer anything? If you're a no, millionaire, if you're a millionaire, and, and unless you give up, unless you're unless you get a Michael Vick, right? Where Michael Vick right. was a millionaire football player, went to jail, lost his money, lost his contract, lost his sponsorships, um, went to jail for several years, uh, had to then pay back his money, went broke, and had to build himself back up from the ground up again. And, and granted, even then, he's still Michael Vick, so he still has some, there's still some power in his name, some athletic ability, and he was able to get back into the NFL and get people to take a chance on him. So he still had that privilege there. But at least, at the very least, he had to start up from the ground ground up, quote-unquote, as much as you can if you're a fucking millionaire. He had to pay back money. He was, he was broke for a broke Again, broke, millionaire broke. And broke him about right. None of these Mewtwo dudes have gone through that. Louis C.K. paid nothing. He admitted that he did it. And people were like, oh, well, he got tried in the, in the court of public opinion. Because he admitted to doing it. Right. And that's the problem. And even back on, we talked about Michael Vick. Michael Vick still didn't get quote unquote counseled because he was able, not trying to be funny, to come back. Right. You know, but he did do a form of redemption, which a lot, a lot of times doesn't happen. He actually did go to jail. He actually did face time in prison. And there are white folks that, that are like, that nigga can never get a job again. I mean, they fucking protest him everywhere he is so nobody gets because as far as they was concerned they didn't want that nigga to work again but you know what they didn't fucking cancel him did they no no right didn't didn't cancel and so and so uh, and i'm uh, so i'm looking at louis ck and i'm seeing all these people go well good for him coming back into it mind you there was a report that said some of the women in the audience would have walked out and would have gone but they, they 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 felt like the vibe in the cellar made them uncomfortable, and there were so many of these 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 dude bros in there that they they feared retaliation if they said anything, if they booed Louis C.K. So again, this is a man who came in using his set and his power, and and his and his fame to again once again make women feel powerless. And I'm like, well, what are you, what are you gonna do? Like, how are you, how are you defending? How are you on Louis C.K.'s side? This is a dude who he suffered no consequences. People are like, oh, well, he lost his show and, and, and he hasn't been able to work for less than a year. He's a millionaire. Did he go broke? Uh-uh. This is a test case. Yeah, people are like, oh, Michael She's like, oh, well, he just did it in a cellar to a, to a, in a cellar, a comedy cellar in front of 200 people. It's like, yeah, it's a test case to see how the reaction was to test the waters. Because again, if he comes out, because right. that, that's the road, road to redemption, right? You, you do something terrible, you take some time off, you go away for a little bit, then you come back and you test the water to see if it's okay for you to come back in. That's what this is. It was a testing of the water. Just like um, uh, Chris Hardwick coming back and crying on the, on the Talking Dead, testing the water to see if people would allow him to get away with it, and he did. So he's fine. Right. Oh, he would be just fine. Like, I, I want people to name me a man who has suffered any kind of consequences for his actions when it comes to this. 
Matt Lauer is talking about he's going to be coming back. Of course he is. Charlie Rose is talking about doing a show with other men that have been accused. Aziz Ansari got defended by Rax Roxanne Gay. Chris Hardwick. Like, like who, who is the man that's been... Um, Weinstein's f- facing charges, but he's... Um, that Who knows where that's going? He's still a millionaire, probably still living his life now. Bill Cosby, I don't think, has been sentenced yet. He's in jail. He probably won't be sentenced. He's been... And again... With Weinstein and and, 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 and and Cosby, those are rapes that, that that span decades. So if you're telling me that the only men that are that, that will face consequences are the two men who rape women for decades and are only going to face consequences at the, t- t- the tail end of their lifespan? Right. How is it? That means they got that means they got to live their lives. And the thing is, with both of them. How many women and victims have died and we will never, ever know? It guaranteed is countless people. Like, I was like, with Bill Cosby, with him, I was like, yeah, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We'll never know how many, not trying to funny, nameless and faceless women that are like, nope, I don't want to get my name dragged. Because the thing about it is that, particularly these men in power, there are consequences to every victim that comes out and says anything. because. It's natural for people to turn against you like you're the problem. Like, what's so interesting to me, it's funny you say that, right? What's so interesting to me is when I see these men, it's mostly men, talking about, you know, the consequences and and not being able to make a living and stuff like that. Nobody talks about what their victims had to go through. Like, the victims of being, uh, who, who are blackballed. And couldn't, you know, like, uh, read up, like, read that horror. I think I read it here, but that horrible story about what happened with uh, Uma Thurman and on the on the set with with, with um, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Quentin. He, yep. ran, he, right. he basically ran her into the ground to the point that she didn't want to work anymore. Uh, Ashley, Ashley Judd was basically blackballed in in Hollywood because uh, Weinstein basically told everybody spread the rumors that she was difficult to work with, so people didn't work with her. I believe Peter Jackson came out and was like, yeah, I was going to put her in the, um, I wanted to put her in um, in, in, in the uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, but I was told by Ryan and then that she was difficult to work with and to ignore her. Like, how many, how many, um, how many women um, had to suffer that? Yeah, how many, how many women, how many women literally, like, and that's what kills me, is like, so many of these, 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 like, these men are getting, like, a quarter of what they put back towards these women, and, right. and the reaction is, oh my god, this is too much. Oh my god, right. he, he, he got blackballed for and Chris, a year. And, Chris, and that's the part that kills me, it's like, you know this goddamn shit is wrong, because if you did not know it was wrong, you wouldn't fucking panic and freak out by a fraction of the uh, of, of the backlash or by a piece of you being held accountable for your actions. And I guarantee you, there are men that are uh, sexually assaulted and abused, but uh, I guarantee you just about every single woman at some point in her life, starting at the time she started forming any type of hips or breasts, have had some form of negative interaction with a grown ass man or boy. They and it doesn't even have to be rape. You've been talked to, you've been groped, you've been catcalled, 
you've been hollered at. And this is something that women are just so fucking supposed to, to just deal with because that's the way the world is. And so now uh, we're in the world where women are like, hey, I've had enough. And men fucking panic when it's like, no, we have always had a goddamn problem with this. But because of your privilege and because you talk to other men that actually do this shit and men talk to men like men rightly tells about shit and I have a perspective he's like no baby I talk to men and this is really how we think and I'm like wow nigga word he be like yeah baby like it, it, it ain't what you think it is you know so uh, most men know the men ain't shit but what a lot of men do other men don't call men out on their shit because they don't listen to women you know and that's society doesn't listen to women men don't listen to women so, you know, it's a cycle that's designed to actually repeat itself because nobody's ever held accountable for actions that are done upon a marginalized group. And, you know, uh, a lot of these people, when it's white women, they don't get no justice either. But at least people are talk, fucking talk about it. When it's a brown woman, oh, you get no justice and then your own people turn on you. Right. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, when Michael Shea says, oh, this guy can't come back and make a living, it's like, maybe eventually when he, when he atones for it, but Louis C.K. came out and admitted that he did this shit, took some time off, went away, and then popped back up in September the next year to do a comedy show without, like, where, where's his atonement? Where, where, where's, the, where's the atonement? Where's the actual work? Um, where? Yeah, what, 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 what has he done to, to, to show that he understood what he did was wrong other than put out a statement when it first happened to admit the doing it, and, and then what? Like, wh where has been the growth? There's been no growth. There's been no, like, like it, it, just, it, it just it drives me crazy when I hear people want to immediately get to the forgiveness, move on phase, when people never spend any time with the consequences and, and, and punishment phase. It's like, you don't get to do that. Like, if you lose something... If you end up losing something for, for, from this, then that's what happens. Like, he admitted that women got blackballed because they wanted to say something about what he did, but couldn't because of his power and, 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 and influence. And, and you're, you're over here saying it's good for him to get back out there and move on with his life. What about the people he hurt? Right, because the the thing about it is, and as as somebody who has uh, dealt with things, you know, when it comes to being abused like that, uh, in, di in different levels, you know, I've I've never been raped or anything like that, but I've attempted rape. Uh, but it's one of those things when you go back and you know, it's amazing, Chris, when if men would actually talk to women, women talk about sexual and sexual assault so casually because it always happened you know everybody thinks that the victims are supposed to always break down and be in tears and ball and you know and fall out and pass out and all that shit when as a woman guess what you got to fucking move on and why should i have to you know it's one of those things where i'm forced to move on because nobody I and i don't actually get closure a lot of people don't get closure mm -hmm. and that's the thing you, you don't get closure it's an injustice and then it's almost a double insult when the person that has done these things to you are just able, is just able to come back with no consequences. That, and a lot of times, for a lot of them, that reopens wounds. Like, like you said, nobody ever talks about the victims. Everybody always talks about 
the person who perpetrated the crime, like they are a victim. They're not a victim in this at all. They are actually the person that did the shit and not being held accountable. And everybody goes, oh, you okay. It's all right. They didn't mean to do it. Okay. But that still don't mean that the pain isn't real. Oh, yeah. But nobody talks about that. Nobody wants to talk about that. They want right. to talk about the accused. Like, for example, this again. So we got some backup, backup to this that kind of goes into why I find it so disgusting to see people like Michael Shea defending this. This is Megyn Kelly talking about taking a swipe at Obama for, uh, well, uh, it, uh, basically she says uh, the Obama administration went too far to protect sexual assault um, accusers. They went too far she ain't shit. To, uh, to protect sexual assault accusers. And I understand the arguments on the one side uh, that, that we were in a position when I went to school, back in my day, where the pendulum was completely against the woman. Yeah. Right? And so these, there was a problem that involved. But I would submit that the Obama administration overcorrected the problem and swung the pendulum too far back against the accused, completely eroding their due process rights. And I'll give you one example that you will not hear probably elsewhere in the media today. I had a guy in my old show by the name of Grant Neal. He went to Colorado State. Great football player, aspiring orthopedic surgeon, had a 3.7 GPA. He had a sexual relationship with a woman. Uh, she asked if he was using protection. He said no. For a couple of seconds there, it went on. They resolved the problem. They had a great night. They had another great night. A couple nights later, all was great. She told her roommate about the situation. The roommate said those five seconds were a rape. The girl said, I haven't been raped. He's not, Grant is not a rapist. The roommate goes and reports it to the campus authorities. Grant gets pulled in as an accused rapist. The victim is saying, he didn't rape me. The school finds him guilty. He gets suspended and cannot come back to school until the victim, the alleged victim, graduates. His career was ruined. His college campus experience was ruined. His, his footballs, all of it, done. How is that fair? It's not, but that's not nothing to do with the Obama administration going too far. In, in protecting accusers. Because here's the thing. You're saying that they went too far to protect the rights of accusers. His accuser says she wasn't raped. That's not what happened here. This is a school being stupid. It's an outlier. It's like when people sit there and talk right. about... It's like, it's like when people sit there and complain and talk about uh, false allegation, uh, alleg uh, uh, allegations of rape. And I'm like, okay, that's still like maybe 2 or 3% if that. But what about the 97%? The overwhelming majority of these are not, you know, false accusations. And the example that Megan Kelly gives right here is a terrible example because the accused, the accused, the, the accuser, quote unquote accuser at this point says a rape did not occur. So even in that moment, she's admitting that that's had nothing to do with it. She's using an example to, to, to basically shit on all these other women that have accused men which we know by the fact, just, just for, the, for the fact that even under the Obama administration, these administrations were still like avoiding uh, holding young men accountable for uh, sexual assault. I know this because um, there's, another, there's a report, Baylor secretly infiltrated sexual assault survivor groups. Yeah, Baylor, that school's not shit. And man, I don't see how people even allow their children to go to Baylor because there's always a fucking story about that university coming out about some goddamn sexual assault. 
According to a report from PR Week, Week, Baylor officials places a mole within several support groups for sexual assault survivors as a way to control their messaging and keep the university from looking bad. Baylor currently faces a Title IX lawsuit from 10, 10 anonymous former students for their alleged serial mishandling of sexual assault cases over the past decade, and Baylor football players have been accused of committing 52 rapes over four years. Good God. I told you, because on our premium show, Balls Deep, Roger and Justin kind of cover these stories, and literally, all jokes out every week is a story about this university. Literally every week. 52 rapes in four years. Is that an NCAA record? Like, what? Like, is that, is I don't that, know. Is that, is that those, <sighs> Go ahead. And those are just the ones that were reported. Right. And those, you know, though, you know, imagine, you know, because particularly with college culture and the way that college is designed, uh, particularly when it comes to athletics and sports, it sports over everything. Like that's something that people don't want to talk about is protect these young men over everything, you know, because it's about money. 50, you know, 52 rapes in four years is 13 rapes a year. That's that a means lot. that's one a month with maybe one month you get two in. What whole school needs to be shut down. Whole football program right. whole football program needs to be shut down at that point. Shut down. You can't you can't play football anymore because you have fifty two rape allegations. Fifty two rapes. Fifty two. Fifty fucking two. Let me see something. Let's say, you know, I'm going to be nice. Let's say it's 3%, right? So what's 3%? So 3% of 52 would be 1.5. So let's round up to 2. That means if we're going with the national average of, of false uh, accusations, that means out of 52 rapes, two of them are false. That means 50 actually happened. If we're just right. going, with the, we're going with the national average, and we're being that because I actually probably believe all fifty-two probably did happen. But let's let's be nice and uh-huh. give the two. Let's, let's give let's get the you know what you know what I'm gonna be even nicer. Let's let's go with the let's you know what let's hell hell you know what be even nicer. Let's go with ten percent. Let's go with ten percent. That means that means uh forty-seven, forty-seven of the rapes actually happened. You know, let's be even nicer. Let's say fifty percent, over fifty percent. You still have a shit ton of rapes. Yes, you do. Like, what? Um, uh, so 52 rapes per uh, PR week. The school attempted to curtail the va- the voices of sexual sex assault uh, survivors by embedding an insider identified identified as Matt uh, Burchett, director of student activities at Baylor, in the in the survivor groups and getting them to soften their stances. Burchett uh, reportedly used his role as the school's chief event planner and student life li- liaison to gain the trust of the group. He would pretend to help them organize activities while siphoning information back to Baylor officials and to catch him, the PR firm uh, retained by the school in the wake of reporting on its se- uh, handling of sexual assault. When these groups organize on campus to confront each other and demand action from former Chancellor Kenneth Starr, uh, Burchett would, would uh, coordinate with them, befriend them, and pretend he was going to help them organize vigils and demonstrations about sexual assault, the source added. Burchett would pass on what he learned to the school officials, the communication department, and catch him, the source added. In an email described to PR Week, Kevin Jackson, VP of Student Life and Burchett's supervisor, said the director of student activities was inept at this, this kind of thing. 
He also reportedly tried to get them to adopt more universally university-friendly rhetoric in their public relations, uh, public communications. Bursett also tried to shape the group's public statements, uh, encouraged it to not say Baylor failed the student, the survivors of Baylor, or, or Baylor failed to create a safe environment, two sources said. When the group was prepared to send a letter to Starr, Bursett suggested edits. But Baylor PR goons denied that Bursett did any secret intelligence gathering, though attorneys on both sides of the Title IX case declined to reveal Bursett's de- deposition. A Baylor spokesman to, uh, told Insider, uh, Inside high, Higher Ed that Bertrand never lied to anyone and that all information he shared with the school higher-ups was purely for logistical reasons. For one, He did that bullshit. He did that. For, for one thing, a mole is someone who operates secretly. Dr. Dr. Burchett was above board in his role. He was not undercover, nor was he duping anyone. What's more, the students were certainly free to reject his suggestions. As part of his official duty, Dr. Burchett regularly facilitates, uh, facilitates expressive activities by students and coordinates, and coordinates a variety of resources from across the campus to meet their needs. Information is shared back and forth and ensure that such events are safe and provide a platform for students to communicate their message. So just suppose that with what Megyn Kelly is saying about how Obama administration went too far and protected the, and, and protected the accusers way too much. But we're not done yet. We've got one more. One more. Oh, there's more? Several women say airlines don't take their complaints about men masturbating next to them seriously. What? Michaela Dixon was sitting... Niggas niggas putting their dicks out on planes? Yeah, kind of. They're basically... I'm calling this Louis C.K. They they pulled a C.K. Um, Michaela Dixon was sitting in the middle of a seat (laughs) on a, a United flight from Orange County to Chicago on August 11th when she realized the stranger next to her was masturbating. Dixon, 21, told BuzzFeed News that while her boyfriend, Jared Iams, was, sleep, was asleep in the window seat, the man, uh, the man in the aisle seat, he, took in, he looked in his 50s wearing an orange tank top and blue shorts, were rubbing himself through his pocket, making noises and breathing heavily. At one point, the man put his hands on his pants. Dixon woke up Iams uh, uh, to make sure he wasn't, she wasn't just seeing things. It's absolutely what you think it is, he told her. It went, for, went on for the final one and a half hour to the five hour flight. I just shook silently what? in my seat for hours. I just had the worst panic attack of my life. I'm like, what did your boyfriend do? Like, how did your boyfriend not? Um, that was a traumatic as fuck. She added that there were young aisles, uh, young children across, uh, across the aisle who could have been exposed to his perversion. Dixon says she froze and didn't feel comfortable confronting the man while, while the plane was in the air. So she complained to the flight attendant as the plane was taxiing on the runway at Chicago's O'Hare airport. The flight attendant moved her to another row, and she said that she told her crew that I contacted the law enforcement to meet the man at the gate. But the airline never called law enforcement. The alleged masturbator was escorted off, escorted out of the terminal by United's own per- security personnel, and then released. United first told BuzzFeed that it contacted Chicago police. Then a spokesperson later on said that this flight crew and gate agent had decided not to do so. The airline is now reviewing why it, that never happened. Dixon said that United gave her $75 for her trouble. $75. Yeah, I'm sorry the guy next to you was masturbating in the plane. Here's $75. Go get yourself cleaned up. It's like giving somebody a cab fare after you rape them. Um, right. No single agency keeps track of how many often people are reported for masturbating on planes, which is a federal crime that falls under the FBI's jurisdiction. But like, I don't under, I, I, the, the fact that this even, this, this happens enough that one, there should be an agency covering it or by the fact that the, it does fall under the FBI, like, I just can't believe men are doing this. Like, I know, like, women say men do this. I still just can't. I, I, it's not that I don't believe the women. 
I don't under. I, I want to know what, what what goes into a man's head when they're thinking to do this. I, I don't. Understand. I don't know. I I am so glad that I never had to experience that. Um, we've been. I'm not even gonna lie. We've been blessed where uh we've been able to like upgrade tickets and stuff and get the first class because the first class is normally just two people in the aisle and you're at the front of the fucking plane <laughs> so you don't really have to deal with that uh but uh yeah uh somebody's getting notified immediately i don't know how to respond to something like that but yeah we're not waiting till we land like we're gonna have problems and repercussions you get the jacking off and rubbing your dick inside me it's gonna be a fucking mm. problem Sarah Nelson, the president of Association of Flight Attendants, told BuzzFeed News, it's almost always men. It's always, of course it is. It's usually on night right. flights when the lights are low and people are trying to be discreet and do it under a blanket. For someone sitting next to a masturbator, uh-huh. it could be panic-inducing, could make them feel that like they're being sexually assaulted. Could, could, you think so? Or it could lead to sexual assault on top of just being plain creepy and gross. There are a few ways to escape. Dixon is one of the several women over the past, few ten, over the past 10 years who have accused various airlines of family to protect them for masturbating men. I can't believe it's enough. This happens enough that it's really a thing. Right. Right. And it's probably, you know, because I, 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 you know, you think about it, airplanes travel 24 hours a day. So, you know, and most of the time when we fly, even, even if I'm, even if we're just in regular class, it's normally daytime. So like they said, it probably talking about like that 11, 10, 11 to probably 5 or 6 a.m. flights them, where it's probably not a lot of people, or if it is, you probably, like I said, flying five, six, you know, seven, twenty something hours. So, wow, uh, men ain't shit, Chris. I'm sorry. No, we're not. We're we're not shit. Um, in some cases, the women said that the airline failed to notify the law enforcement. In other cases, uh, women said that the flight atten- uh, flight crew mishandled the compliment the complaint by joking about it, not receding them, or not confronting the alleged offender. I would raise holy fucking hell. I mean, and I understand why women. Come on. Well, here's the thing. I understand why women wouldn't do that to the 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 the, the man doing that. But for the, the everybody should raise fucking hell when it comes to the flight crew not doing this is completely unacceptable uh, to not do anything uh, as a flight crew. The FBI believes sexual crimes on flight are underreported. Well, first of all, there is also a lengthy and bureaucratic path to reporting the behavior, and it could be scuttled at any point by someone who might think it's not a big deal, Nelson said. The FBI believes sexual crimes on flight are underreported. Kevin Rawson, an agency spokesman person, told uh, BuzzFeed News and law enforcement officials that some of the country is busy as airports agree. In 2014, 38 cases of in-flight sexual assault were reported to the FBI. That number increased to 63 in, in 2017. There's no further breakdown for the type of sexual assault. Not even covering, not even, holy shit. The FBI points out the sex offenders on flight take advantage of the fact that some victims might not report an incident because they're embarrassed or don't want to cause a scene. Most flight attendants, Nielsen said, have either seen someone masturbating or have been told about it over the course of their career. It's not an epidemic, Nielsen said, but it's not unheard of either. And a law enforcement official in Chicago said that uh, reports of in-flight masturbation have rarely been reported this year at O'Hare, one of the nation's busiest airports. It don't mean it don't happen. It just means you ain't been told. Keep it in your fucking pants. Right! Right! Can't, can't you wait until... I mean, shit, do it in the bathroom. I mean, come on. I mean, shit, can't you just wait? 
In July, I caught a Robin woman, uh, Ann uh, Dowling, I think I remember this case, accused United in a uh, civil lawsuit of failing to protect her after she would complain that a male passenger sexually assaulted her while masturbating at a seat next to her in 2016. Dowling is seeking more than $75,000 in damages from United and a male passenger and says she suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, ma'am, I'm going to tell you right now, you should be asking for a million. I'd be asking for way fucking more. I mean, I get it, probably thinking that she asked for too much and people won't take her seriously, but it's ridiculous. Dowling was sleep- asleep on a flight from Hong Kong to Denver via San Francisco when she said in a lawsuit, the drunk passenger began rubbing her vagina through her clothes while masturb- rapidly masturbating under his blanket. Dowling said she asked a flight attendant to move her because of the alleged assault. The attendant told her there were no open seats and then suggested that Dowling should talk to the man instead. Dowling spoke to a United cabin manager who moved her to another seat. She initially told the crew that the pilot didn't need to contact law enforcement according to criminal court documents, but then later did report the incident to the United, the, the, Chicago police, uh, the San Francisco Police Department, and the FBI. The man faced federal charges and was acquitted in 2017. I was because mm-hmm, that shit's hard to prove. That's what it boils down to. It's a he say, she say, so people are quick to dismiss it. But tell me more about how Leo C.K. needs to have a chance to come back. Tell jokes. Come on. Tell me again how we spent too much time uh, giving uh, uh, rights to the accused. Like, Tell me more about that. I just. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I just. Whatever. Um, so. Uh, let's get something a little bit more. Uh, you know, one, one last thing. Cause we're not really dealing with this, but kind of related. Cause we said that yesterday was uh, Aretha Franklin's funeral. Today is John McCain's. And, um, uh, I'm not going to get too much into it. I know it's going right now. I know uh, Obama's giving the um, eulogy. And, um, you know, I know this happened when, when John McCain died. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, people were being silly. The man's died. He's a hero, blah, blah, blah. Listen, here's the thing. You know, there's this thing that, you know, people say all the time, don't speak ill of the dead. I, I, I think that's bullshit. I think that the thing should be said, uh, speak truth of the dead. John McCain, right, right. That's that's more a better phrase. Yes. Speak truth of the dead. John McCain was a war hero. He suffered, you know, unimaginable torture in a Vietnam prison camp. You know, he was tortured. He was scarred for life. There's no taking that away from him. As a politician, though, he's kind of shitty. I mean, it's just, yes, that's just, is. that's just the fact. And he was kind of a political coward and you it, it, like, that is part of his legacy as much as, you know, him being his time as a vet. This is a man who, listen, you know, people always talk about he was a maverick and I get that. That's the, 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 the media side thing like that. But a lot of people do believe this. Like he gets a lot of credit for giving the thumbs down when, 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 um, uh, Trump's uh, the 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 Republicans are trying to pass that Obama, Obamacare repeal bill, and he gave the, he gave the you know the the vote the last the thumbs down vote to so that the bill didn't pass. But what a lot of people seem to forget is that um, McCain um, like his own versions of what he wanted for health care 
weren't universal. They weren't going to get more people help. They no. Weren't. You know, people talk about well, he fought. He he fought against um. He fought against uh uh uh, uh Trump and but like no 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 that was the ego driven thing. Like Trump didn't like him. He didn't like Trump. But when it came down to it, he would pick his party over the fact that you know stopping Trump. At any point in this in these last years of his life, McCain could have switched over to the Democratic Party and then voted against what the horrible things Trump was doing. He could have done Correct. that. He decided not to. And that is as much of an important part of his legacy as anything else. And that's not me speaking ill of the dead, but that's just calling a spade a spade. And much like the same thing with people talking about Oh, I'm not going to cancel this person because they're thinking about themselves. I think so many people internalize death the same way. I don't want right. to see other people speaking ill of somebody else who's dead because I don't want to see people speaking ill of me when I'm dead. Here's the thing. If you're worried about how you will be viewed when you're dead, then live your life to leave the best impression. Live a better life. If you don't want no. people speaking ill of your... First of all, first of all, somebody's always going to speak ill of you if you're dead. You're not always universally loved. There's always going to be somebody who's no, salty and he's going to speak ill of you. So there's that. But if you live your life to try to give the most joy and to do the best you can and be the best person you can, then you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing to worry about. But can you really say that about John McCain? Uh, I know I can't. That's just being real. You know, I know today's his funeral and things like that. And I know people will be like, oh, well, no. Well, when? Because when he was alive, people did the same thing. When he's dead, you, you can't cool. say anything. Six, you know, six months from now, people still say the same thing. Six years from now, people still say the same thing. So it's never a right time to talk about this stuff. And Correct. And, it's, and in my opinion, it's one of the ways to kind of just shut stuff down so you don't have to deal with people that criticize that man. But that man did some fucked up shit to brown and minority people. He did not care about brown people and marginalized people. And you cannot erase that from his legacy. Yeah, right. I mean, that's part, that's part of legacy. That's part of what you leave behind. You leave behind the good, the bad. You know? If, if, if somebody chooses to only remember, you know, the bad things I did because I personally, like, what I did personally affected them and personally hurt them, I, I have no control over that. And you can't, and I, I'm telling you right now, do not, do not shame that person because they spoke the truth about what I was and what I did. I mean, that's just reality. If you want to combat that narrative about your own life, because again, I feel like so many times, when we have these conversations, people personalize it into, well, I don't want people to think, think evil of me. Well, then don't be a shitty person. Atone for your life. Atone for what you did. You know, when it, when it matters. Not when it does. Don't do things like John McCain did where he voted against MLK Day and then years, years later came back and was like, oops, my bad. Don't, don't pick somebody like, you know, Sarah Palin for your, for your, for your VP pick. And then when it goes to hell, get get credit because at one point at one meeting after months and months and months of GOP Islamophobia, you had to tell a woman that Barack Obama isn't an Arab, but he's a good, he's a good man. Not like basically in suggesting one that you can't be an Arab and a good man, but two, not acknowledging the, like I, I got so sick and tired of seeing people replay that clip and say, this is my, this is my favorite John McCain moment. So you, that's your favorite John McCain moment. You're basically saying that he was trash because uh, we only got to that. We only got that moment because John McCain literally up to that point said nothing about the Islamophobia that his running mate 
and the GOP were engaged in at that time. He only confronted it because the woman he gave a mic to said it and he was put in that position. If that woman had never gotten to that in the mic, John McCain would never have said anything. And right. one thing I've learned is your character is what people, what happens when nobody's looking. Your character is not defined by what happens when you're put on the spot and, and, and you have to do the right thing. No, your character is what defines you when nobody's looking, when there's no credit, when there's no, um, when, when there's no, no, uh, uh, no cameras looking, when there's no public, you know, uh, no, no way you can turn that into your favor. That's what makes you a good man. If you're only a good man because of what you're forced to do, or, or it comes out after the fact, like there's so many people that rewrite the history of what happened during the 2008 campaign. Well, McCain really didn't pick, you know, uh, Sarah Palin. His, his campaign, they actively worked against her and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, so why didn't he just do the right thing and not pick her as his running mate? Right. Could have avoided. She never had that job. Could have avoided it all. Why didn't he suspend? Why didn't he suspend his campaign right then and there and say, you know what? I cannot, in good conscience, go forward and have this woman as my VP pick if we win because I do not represent everything. No, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't like people go from either he was a brave man who did all this stuff or he was completely inept and had no control over anything. Which is it? And it's not to say that, hey, he didn't do some good things here and there. Yeah, he did some good things with, you know, combating Trump vocally. But when it came time to put his vote where his mouth was, no, he didn't. You know, he put thumbs up on that on, on that health care vote, but I'm pretty sure I mean thumb down the health care vote, but I'm pretty sure he voted for the tax bill. Which is also gonna screw millions of people. Of course he did. So so what what are we doing here? What are we doing? It's it's just I'm just I'm just tired of it. Like I said, speak true for the dead. Like to me, speaking ill of the dead, I, I, I believe that speak ill, don't speak ill of the dead is, 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 is an okay saying, but that, that speaking truth of the dead is not speaking ill of them. It's just being truthful. Speaking ill of the dead to me right, is when you're slandering right. somebody who can't defend themselves. Nobody's slandering John McCain. All they're doing is going back and pointing out what he did and what he didn't do and why he's not the man people claim that he is. You guys are over here rewriting his history, making him seem like he was this great, great fucking man, and he fucking wasn't. You know? And me pointing that out isn't, shame, isn't speaking ill of him. It's saying, this is what he did. This is his life. This is the totality of it. I understand that McCain did do some good things here, and he, but he also did a lot of bad things. And when he had a chance to stand up and do the right thing, he did not. He did some things for photo ops. Like I, I've said it time and time again. That that off of him thumbs down on that healthcare vote. That was a more that was more about him uh, um, sticking it at Trump than trying to stand up for people's healthcare rights. Because guess what? Right. I I remember when John McCain was talking uh, when 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 the healthcare debate was going during Obama's term. McCain was there. McCain gave no. He was there being an asshole, and no point did he give any suggestions as to um, things that would get more people healthcare. He didn't. Never did. So, yeah. I mean, when you see people say, fuck him, 
maybe because they were directly affected by what he did. You just got to let that one go. And if you don't want people speaking ill of you, live a better life. Agreed. You know, so. All right, we got two things, things, and we'll get ready to get out of here. Uh, Great moments. I'll give, you know what? Guest choice. Which one do you want to do first? Uh, Great moments on white privilege, or do you want to do do you even sci-fi bro first? Let's do uh, great moments in white privilege. I've been drinking me some white wine. I'm, I'm almost done with it, Chris. Oh well, we gotta get the we gotta do the we gotta go to the great moments of white privilege first. Then, so uh, there you go, great moments of white privilege. I'm glad we're doing great moments of white privilege first because uh, the the do you sci-fi bro will be funnier. Um, so uh, great moments of white privilege. From the Washington Post, she fatally shot an unarmed black man, and now she teaches other police officers how to survive such in- incidents. A uh, hundred. She calls it the Ferguson effect. Two years after she fatally shot an unarmed black man in, Tul- uh, in Tulsa, Betty Jo Shelby, now a police officer in an adjunct con- county, is teaching a course on how to survive such events legally, emotionally, and physically. The course, as she explained, is a local ABC affiliate, equips officers to withstand the effect named for the Missouri city uh, convulsed by the 2014 shooting of a black teenager, Michael Brown, when a police officer is victimized by anti-police groups and tried in the court of public opinion. Shelby, who was white, was tried last year in a criminal court in Tulsa County. She's acquitted on first-degree murder, a manslaughter, and the shooting death of Terrence Crutcher. Uh, and if you guys don't remember the Terrence Crutcher case, I know there's so many of these cases. This is the one where you, you had her husband was in the... Uh, the the a police helicopter in the airplane, right? And the, and the, and the helicopter yes, above. And I Crutcher, remember that. That is some bullshit. That bitch ought to be in jail. And Crutcher was walking back to his car with his hands up, and she shot him. But the jury questioned her judgment as a law enforcement officer. If less lethal force had been an option, serious consideration must must be given to whether she should she allowed to return to practicing law enforcement. To the jury foreman, in a letter, the presiding members asked the court to make public to placate. The media's desire to interview members of the jury. The jury knew they were fucking wrong um, by not convicting her, but wanted to placate the placate the media by giving the jury the basis saying that she should not be a police officer. The, the Tulsa Police Department pulled her from the streets and reassigned her to a desk job, prompting Shelby to resign. Sitting behind a desk, she explained in a statement, it's not for me, but you shot an unarmed... Okay, whatever. I did feel like my career was done, she right. told Tulsa World of the dispute over the 2016 shooting. Whisper protests and renewed a national debate over race and policing. Now a new debate is underway in Tulsa, a city scarred by the 1921 Tulsa race riot, a massacre in which white moths laid waste to a prosperous black neighborhood in one of the most devastating episodes in the history of American race relations. The debate asks, what can be learned from a police-involved shooting and who is entitled to do that teaching? How about not the murdering police officer? Come on. How about not Mm. that bitch? Shelby is supposed to bring her state-approved state-approved training course, surviving the aftermath of a critical incident to the city, which her own critical incident unfolded. So that's what we're now calling it when you shoot an unarmed black man uh, in the back. A critical incident. Hmm. Okay. Shelby is scheduled to appear uh, scheduled appearance Tuesday at a Tulsa County Sheriff's Office. Has drawn condemnation from the local activists who argue that former Tulsa police officer should not be imparting advice to law enforcement especially not in a community where she killed the 40-year-old motorist and father of four. Mark Lewis. Right. I mean, I, you would think that's common sense, right? You would, you would think. 
Mark Lewis, the founder of the Community Organizing and, and Government Watch, Watchdog Group, We the People o- Oklahoma, said that class newly, newly highlights the injustice of the incident, making the police officer out to be the victim when it was Crutcher who did not survive the encounter. Robert didn't have any capacity to describe his fallout. A protest Monday outside the county courthouse condemned Shelby's planned appearance. Signs urge ban Betty. It's one more indication that Betty Shelby has been rewarded while Terrence Carter's children are suffering still, Lewis said in an interview with the Washington Post. They don't seem to ha- they don't have any going uh, they don't have anyone going around the state talking about their experiences. In a statement to a local affiliate, uh, ABC affiliate, Shelby defended her qualifications to teach the courts, which she said was not about the shooting, whose details she claimed not to be covering. I faced many challenges that I was unprepared for, such as threats to my life by activist groups to loss of pay. She said, my class is to help others by sharing some of the skills I use to cope with this distress of my critical incident. As law enforcement, uh, we experience many critical incidents throughout our careers. These tools that I share are just a few to help them cope with the stress, the stress of the critical incidents they have had or will experience. Uh, you gonna get the whole fuck out of here. The month after she resigned from the Tulsa Police Department, Shelby was sworn into the reserve department the deputy as and as a reserve deputy in Rogers County, northeast of Tulsa. Tulsa World reports she maintained her limited role for several months to make room for planned speaking engagement, according to the Oklahoma newspaper. Assumed full time and assumed full time patrol duties at the end of last year. She's back on the streets. Not full time. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. And nobody gets canceled, y'all. Nobody. Nobody. Yep, nobody. Nobody gets canceled. Mm-mm. Shelby said her experiences in Tulsa required her to be even more vigilant in her new assignment. You have to be prepared for the unknown, she said. And the sense is heightened now because I have to wonder if somebody will recognize me. A word. <laughs> No biggest fear somebody recognizing you, okay. Cause they're not gonna do shit to you, dog. You're a fucking police officer. Police dash cams and helicopter video show Crutcher walking with his arms up towards his vehicle before reaching for the driver's side window. One of the officers enlists a enlists a stun gun while Shelby fired her gun, striking the unarmed man in the lung from the police. Footage does not provide a clear picture of the moment Shelby pulled her trigger. She said he was ignoring verbal directions. Mm-hmm. I, I got, I got nothing. I, yeah, if if, if 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 she says so, the person that survived the incident. I I just I. What are you supposed to do with that? Like you survived, he didn't. You're you're. Your, the, the other officer pulled us to use a stun gun, use non lethal weapons. You use your gun. I right. It's 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 not the it's it's not the it's not the same. Uh, and for the fact that uh, you have the audacity to actually do a job, get back on the police force, and teach other people how not to deal. I mean, how to deal with situation similar to what you did. And tell us that you're not going to use yourself as an example of some bullshit because the only reason why you got the job is because you actually came out on the other side. If you'd have went to jail, you would have never got the job. Right, right. 
I just I got yeah. Yeah, and see, this is why every time I come on in Sandy Check, I don't always tell Chris. I always get me a little glass of wine. Got to. You got to. <laughs> you got to. You got to have the wine. You got to. It just. Anyway, we're going we're gonna to end, end on a more a lighter note uh, with some Do You Even Sci Fi Bro. All right, so do you have a sci-fi bro? Now, um, we um, we do the we do the segment. Uh, there, there are two categories of things I've always fallen in. One is robots. It's always been robots, right? Uh, and the other the other category that we we've kind of gotten away from for a while because it's been mostly robots were sex dolls because it just it just doesn't seem like it's, this is this ends it well. So uh, we've been doing robots for a while. So we are back to the sex dolls. Um, sex doll brothel opening in Toronto. Ah shit now. What's gonna happen when that AI get intelligent and be like, hey, don't touch me there? Yes, folks, it's really happening. The future is now. Toronto is officially getting another 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 another, meaning that there's an Oh another oh so they already got a functioning one? Meaning they already have one. I I I I just saw the the title and I didn't really read the article yet, so I just I'm just throwing back that now they actually have another one. Toronto's really getting another sex yeah. Oh, it must have been jumping so good. It was like, you know what, dog? Let's get another one. The robots don't complain. They always go on stage and shake their ass. No, we haven't had no complaints. And you know they fucking them. What's happening here? So to be fair, I don't think these are the actual robot ones. These are just the these are just the inanimate sex dolls. Which I think oh, okay. which might in my way might be a little bit creepier because there's no interaction. It's just like they're because it's not a robot, it doesn't interact. Just, I don't I don't know. It's Oh, okay, okay, cause okay, cause I'm thinking deeper. I'm like, oh, so y'all taught them dance routines, and they like swinging on poles, popping their ass. Like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm going too far for the but, technology. But you know, but you know that's, that's what my mind went. I was like, oh, this is so popular. They was like, let's get a second one. But you know that's coming next. You know that's next. You know that's not that far behind. Like you're, you're, you're just, you're just, you're just a couple years in advance, Karen. They're gonna be. It's gonna be very soon. Um. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and you know what? You know what? They're not gonna have no black ones. You know, for you know, it's, right. it's, you know, right. they're gonna be like, "You give love a bad name." That's right. the type of music going to go. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah yeah. Uh, so Toronto's getting another sex doll brothel, meaning people will have a new option to bed some life-size ladies made completely of silicone in just a couple weeks. Aurora Dolls is slated to open at forty-six thirty-two Young Street on September eighth, taking over an old tanning salon located in the Low Key. Plaza just south of Shepherd. It marks the second second to open in Toronto, which, whether you agree with the concept or not, is a big moment for both the sex work and technology in, uh, industry. Uh, the silicone te- uh, the silicone tech sector, anyway. These aren't robots. According to his website, the new spot for silicone sexy time will be open twenty four seven. Offers six classy, sophisticated, and adventurous ladies created for the discer- dis- discerning gentleman, made from high quality TPE mm-hmm. silicone. The dolls are the closest thing you can currently get to a real human, minus the heart, the brain, and, you know, the alive part, you know, the interaction, the talking back, and the ability to say no, but whatever, you know. Right, and it's going to be really interesting uh, to see what happens when uh, they clean these dolls, and they see these dolls got all types of STDs and all this other bullshit. Oh, oh yeah, I have questions about that a lot, yeah, so... Um, 
Uh, so, uh, where is it? Clients will pay a rates that start at $80 for a half hour with one of the dolls to as much as 480 for a four-hour session to act out their fantasies with dolls like Jasmine, the exotic face angel, or Scarlet, the absolute American dream. It's double the amount of time. Four hours. For... Yeah. Oh, wait. What is she doing for four hours? I... Maybe maybe they're having. Well, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna have some time with a sex doll, then maybe they want to get to know the sex doll and have some conver- one side of conversation and you know have dinner first. I I don't know what you do for four hours with a sex doll. Um, is is double the amount of time with two dolls at once? Oh God, wait, wait. Oh wait. shit, now not two at once. Wait a minute. Got a little got a little sex bot orgy happening. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait Menage, a minute. Menage, menage bot. <laughs> menage bot. <laughs> Are people really? What is I, happening here, Chris? I, I, people what are. What the fuck is going on? I, I I don't know. I I'm I'm so confused right now. Um, according to wait, it's double the amount for two dolls at once. Monthly packages will also be available for those dedicated to sex with dummies. Wait, you can have a subscription service to? Oh my god! Can't. Ah uh, shit! Like Blue Apron. <laughs> Hello, real boy. <laughs> Like, oh my god, like they do with massage envy because you know, with massage envy, uh, you get like a, like a massage or two a month for like a flat rate. So that's, that's what's happening here. It's gonna be the blue balls box. Yes, <laughs> I just uh, do you get to pick the outfits and the heels? I'm uh, assuming who has so. to dress these dolls because they can't dress themselves. I'm assuming so. According to Aurora, the dolls are thoroughly, I think they mean thoroughly sanitized. They have to be. That's my question, too. It's like, if you have six dolls and people are coming in here using the dolls, that means, because we had the conversation before about used sex dolls. These are used sex dolls you're using. People are going to use right. them and be, um, uh, yeah. Because, like, like cause I- what's that conversation when you when you go home and you're, like, so I want to know, I want to know something. Because I, I got to ask you this question, Karen, because, you I mean, you're you're not just a woman, but you're a wife. You're married. Um, yes. If you found on Rod's statement a <laughs> say a hundred and sixty dollar charge to Aurora Dolls, and you find out that once a week or once a month he goes to Aurora Dolls to have sex with a um a sex doll at this brothel, is that considered cheating in your mind? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, to me, as weird, weird as it may sound, I guess it would be similar to porn. You know what I'm saying? Like, just interactive porn. Um, but you definitely have to have a conversation, right? You got you to gotta have the conversation. You got to have the conversation. Like, yeah, we, right. yeah we, we would have to have a talk about it. Like, I'm not going to say we, it, it wouldn't be a conversation had. Like it's it's just a handful of people that I'd be like, well, nigga, you gotta do what you gotta do, and that's probably Rihanna, Beyonce, and Serena Williams. Well, nigga, you just gotta do what you gotta do. I probably ask you more. What 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 was it like? You know, other than them three, you know, <laughs> sex robots. You know, we would have to sit down and you know really see where your mind is and and see where we going with this relationship. <laughs> you know, because I don't know if I want to have an open bot relationship. Right, you know, right, right, I don't right, know right. How no, I would freshly feel, you know. Feel about you know that part of the open marriage. Well, the other thing too is like um, other thing too. I know because clearly because everything involving sex with dolls and sex bots revolves around men. But I'm like, 
well, can a can a can a can a wife can a husband bring his wife? And so then you have a threesome uh, with the wife, the husband, and the sex doll. Like, what's the what's the charge on that one? You know, like right? Like, like, where would you? I mean, I mean, and what do you do with people that, that like cuckold? Like, how mm-hmm. do you do that? I mean, can you have a brown? Mm-hmm. You know, and what they what and the the, the, the if they really want to make money. They probably need to have men because I guarantee you this is all women. What about the male robot? So now, you know, so, so, like, mm, like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one because I, I, I like how all these things always cater to heterosexual men, and I'm like, so where are the male sex bots for the women and also for gay men, or you know, like, where, wh- where's the, you know, what's, what's, wh- what are we doing here? What, what, what's going on here? But I do have a question because you brought up cuckold. I'm like, so. Cause you know, a lot of these guys, when they come with their sex dolls, they, they view their sex dolls as, um, as like their, their woman, their girlfriend. So, right. you know, my question is going to be like, so does a man, would a man then pay to have another man fuck his sex dolls while he watches? That's a possibility. And like, what are the rates? You know, yeah, like, like, like those are the type of questions that I have. Like where, where are we kind of going with this? It's going to be interesting. You know, to see because men have this fantasy because, you know, those are basically who make these tours with all of them going to be women. But what you actually say, what happened to the the men who want to take their women to watch them get fucked by men robots mm. uh, or with sex bots? Like, um, you have a whole genre of money there that, that you, you, you're ignoring. They will buy the packages, too. Now, that's a good reason for four hours. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it'd be a two for one. I mean, is it double the rate? I don't know what's happening here. I have I have so many questions. Uh, see, the idea of sex the idea of sex doll certainly is a new concept, and the threats of the uncanny valley have been explored in films and pop culture for years. Ha- having another full on sex doll brothel in the city feels like we're definitely arrived in a new age of sex tech. Toronto's first sex doll brothel, Kinky S Dolls, opened last year at five hundred seven Champagne Drive. Similar <laughs> establishments have already been been have already opened in Europe. The world's first opened in Germany in two thousand seventeen, and not without their fair share of controversy and de- debate. What is the debate? What is oh, there's actually protest. I mean, I mean, like I said, like I said, your kink is your kink. I have no problem because I feel like for some, not all, but for some of these men, the way y'all treat regular fucking ass women. And I try to be funny. I rather really go fuck a robot. I don't mean no harm. Like, <laughs> go fuck a robot, but you fuck a real woman up. Yeah, I mean, and and well, so I'm. A, I've gone. We've gone down this road before. Where I've been on two two sides of this. Like, on the one hand, I'm like, well, maybe this will keep men from you know give men outlets so that. And I and I do believe at some point that you know from porn, uh, making sex work uh, less taboo and more accessible might help. Uh, with some men and uh, some of the issues we see with men and rejecting things like that. But at the same time, some of these men are, will, will do the same, no matter what, will, will have those same values because they don't know how to treat women, period. Whether they're sex, because again, um, sex workers can still say no. And and so, right, so right, when it comes to right. These, so that's the biggest thing. And I guess once you really get down to it, I guess I have like a lot of questions like, what happened when you have you know, the robot AIDS and robot gonorrhea, you know, you got all these viruses happening. What happens when they become sentient? Because, you know, as technology gets more advanced, the robots will get more advanced. So what happens when they actually get the robot to the point where the robot can be like, I don't want to do this anymore? Well, I, I don't want to have, I don't want to sit on, well, actually, no, I do want to sit on the conversation between a man and a woman 
uh, a husband and a wife when the when the wife finds out that she got uh, herpes because her husband was sleeping uh, was was fucking a a sex doll at a sex doll brothel. So uh, that that would be that that is something there. But going back to the other point is yeah, it's like these men don't. I feel I I find the sex doll brothel sex doll thing creepy. Not because again, like you said, you know, hey, don't yuck other people's yum. Like you know, some people have their their own kinks and whatnot, and I think that's fine. But I also think a lot of the men and a lot of the talk around this comes around from men who really just want sex slaves and want and 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 and, 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 and want want a want to be able to have sex with something. I, I'm using the term thing because that's how they view right. women as a thing to ha- to have sex with and not talk back. And I find that to be equal. I find that to be disturbing and creepy. And I do not think that. Uh, the increase of sex dolls and sex, uh, sex bots and, and, and whatnot, it's going to change that or make that any better um, unless we have that real conversation. Like we just had another guy shooting up, uh, shooting, we had the guy that just shot up the, the Madden tournament. You know, you, uh-huh. have these, you have these incels all over the place, these guys who feel like, you know, uh, women owe them sex and owe them, owe them something and they feel like they, 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 they blame women for not liking them and having sex with them. So it's like, I don't think that, you know, I don't, I don't think that legalizing sex work, legalizing, uh, uh, increasing sex bots, sex dolls, and things like that, you know, ethics aside of where the sex dolls and sex bot thing, um, I don't think that helps the conversation if we're not also having a conversation with men about how to actually treat women because uh, sex work should be legalized but it doesn't these women no good if the men that, uh, that they're providing the service to don't know how to respect boundaries and women themselves, you know? So. Right, and, and, and that's an underlying problem. Like I said, for some people, it's their kink, and it's fine. Like, it's no problems, it's no issues, it's, no, it's nothing perverted happening, if that makes sense. But once you kind of get that underlying thing of, like you said, these are, are men who just want to fuck something that, never tells them no that's a whole different genre and my thing is particularly with partners as long as the partners are up front and it's something that you talk about and discuss i don't see the problem the problem is going to be when people hide this from their mate and then you fuck around and have robot herpes now we got the power mm-hmm. right robot herpes that's gonna be interesting. Now, now we got now, now we got to have a now we got to have a conversation. Like, mm, mm-hmm. you know, I went, I, they ran a test, and all that popped up was one zeros. What the fuck is happening here? <laughs> Gary, Gary, we need to have a talk. We need to have a talk, Gary. Gary, I have robot AIDS. Right. You need to get checked out, Gary. <laughs> I mean, how does the robot break the news to you? I mean, do you need to go to the clinic? I mean. And, and then you're going to have a problem with men showing up to the brothel, just shoot fucking the robots up because they were like, you gave me herpes. Well, that already you know, happened. You gave me robot AIDS, the well, robot gonorrhea, you know, because you can't never take responsibility for your actions. So now you're going to have a whole nother genre of women getting fucked up. Well, you, you laugh, but that actually happened. I was a, I, We talked about on the show, I think, earlier this year, where we talked about how there was that one sex, sex robot or something like that they had in one of those, um, they had in one of these shows. And the men broke the doll within like 45 minutes because they had, were groping it and they were moving it around and doing all these things and soiled it. it, it they were like, it, it basically decommissioned the bot because they, the, the men were, the men basically misused it 
And this is on a floor of a fucking convention. So it's like, yeah, man, it's... Uh, so that meant somebody probably pulled the dick out, tried to fuck it, broke his fingers. Right. Well, well, considering... So that, imagine what you're going... Right. So imagine what you're doing is something enclosed that, that you can you don't have cameras and all that shit around. I mean, con- considering the, the the fact that, like, yeah, like, we have men that, that don't know they shouldn't pull their dick out on an airplane or in front of other women. Right. Or masturbate on the phone with a woman. Yeah, that, yeah that's true. Yeah, so so yeah, yeah, that's yeah, so so yeah, they, they, they'll fuck a robot raw on on right. uh, on the display floor. Yes. Well, actually, that's a good point too. That's into that mention here. So, um, I'm assuming. I mean, are they using condoms? Right. I, I, not trying right. to. Are the condoms like a robot condom? Like, oh, I yes. really got questions here. Is it specifically so designed? Questions. So that it doesn't uh, penetrate the silicone. I mean, you're not, not trying, because you're not fucking a real person. So is there a special type of condom? Is it like here? Here's your robot condom. Here's a regular ass condom. I got questions. It's uh, just I have so many questions that I didn't want to. I don't want. I, I, honestly, I don't want the answers to. I have so many questions. I do not want to know what the answers <laughs> I don't are. These. I, I do not want to know what the, these answers are. I do not. I do not. I do not want to know. What these answers are. <laughs> uh, what this, you know what? My thing is, what happens when you find out a robot's abused? You know, in case, speak for itself. And, you know, because I'm pretty sure you might come in there and your robots probably have broken fingers. Robots might have their eyes pull out, missing toes. You know, because because you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Do you report it to the police? Do you send it to the to the cleaners to get washed and dried? I I don't know what's happening here. Oh my God, Karen, Karen, think about it. So like. You know how, like, when you, um, when, when they're in school and you have the counselor and they're, like, talking to an abused kid and they're like, now show me in the doll where they touched you? So, like, when you're talking <laughs> to the, so when you're talking to the, 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 the abused sex robot, do you bring in a human and say, show me on their human where you were touched and abused at? Like, I, I just have, uh, I have Oh, so... you, you know what they do, Chris? I'm, I'm going to tell you what they do. They actually take something out of the side of his neck and plug it in the USB cord. Because <laughs> it was recorded the whole time. You know what, guys? I'm sorry about this entire last ten minutes of this podcast. Just forget. <laughs> I, just forget me and Karen talked about this. Forget we asked. And they do any of these downloads. Questions. What happens? <laughs> just forget. Forget all of this happened. This last 10 to fifteen minutes did not happen. I do not want to know the answer to these questions. I do not want to know any more about this. We're I mean, just. Chris, you're working. Come on, dog. Just, Come on, dog. You know all you got to do is pull a pull a code in it, and it just fuck around and just start spilling all the beans. Spill it out. But I just are, uh, spill, spill it out of microchips. <laughs> we are, we're, we're, we're done here. We are done here. This did not happen. We this this show actually ended. This show actually ended with great moments of my privilege. I don't know what happened in the last ten to ten to fifteen minutes. I'm just gonna pretend like it didn't happen. And um, yeah. So. Anyway, um, <laughs> that is the show of uh, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Karen, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, tell folks where they can find you at. You can find me over at theblackoutwhotips.com. Uh, for those, most people should know who we are, but if you don't, it's a, a weekly podcast that I do five days a week with my husband. Uh, Rod, you can find us on social media at TBGWT on both platforms. You can find him on social media at Rhymes Prime, and you can find me on, on, on 
Twitter at Say That Again. Uh, so much, Chris. This has been so much fun. I always, always love doing the show with you. Oh, I always love having you on the show too, Karen. It's great to have a, have you on. Um, like I said, uh, and we'll always have you back. And I can't, uh, you know, I can't wait to have you and Rod back on. That's what we'll do. We'll schedule to get you and Rod back on after uh, your event in September, because that way I'd love to hear you yeah. guys talk about it and kind of, uh, kind of go over that and 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 how that experience was. So we'll definitely do that. Yeah. It- it should be fun because it'd be kind of a birthday present for Rod because it's like three days before his birthday. So it should be fun. Oh, yeah, definitely will be. So um, anyway, on uh, two help, a couple of health scheming things. Uh, first, uh, make sure you subscribe to this Insanity Check. Uh, just put an Insanity Check on the iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music. Subscribe there. Second, uh, Brandon and I are trying to uh, apply for the Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes has opened up their application process for critics. And they're including podcasts now. Um, one thing we're trying to do is we, we want to get applied. We're, we basically meet all the requirements for one. We need 200 um, reviews on iTunes on the, this is very, very important, the movie trailer reviews podcast. Um, I know a lot of you guys subscribe or listen to this on the main feed, the MTR network feed. Uh, if you can, if you listen to iTunes or even if you don't have an iTunes account, sign up for one for this. Um, sign up, put uh, movie trailer reviews into um in, into the iTunes and it'll pop up. You'll see the the movie trailer reviews feed. This has all of our movie reviews, nothing else, and it'll have the movie trailer reviews logo on it. Go in there and leave us a five star review. We need to get two hundred. Um, we've already gotten a boost so far. I think we started at seventeen two days ago. We're now like forty five. So we're trying to get the two hundred so we can get the two hundred minimum requirements so we can go ahead and submit movie trailer reviews. Uh, to Rotten Tomatoes to be official Rotten Tomatoes critics. Um, so we know we, we, we know we have, and then we put a call out, people do this kind of stuff. So if you, if you can do that for us and give us the re- reviews, and, and again, this is not me asking you if, you, if you don't listen to any of our movie reviews, then, I mean, if you want to leave us a review, go ahead and do that. But I really would like to, like, genuine reviews from people who actually like to listen to our movie, movie reviews. Just go ahead and do that. The, these reviews do actually matter uh, and uh, throw it out there for us. So, um, yeah, folks, and we got a lot of other stuff coming out on the network soon, so just stay tuned. And until next time, we're out of here. Peace. Peace.